Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And another week down in the NRL season, Boxhead, and plenty of close results in what was an absolutely fantastic Anzac round. It was great. Absolutely uh, fantastic. Love that there was plenty of footy on from Wednesday right through to Sunday, so thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep, 100%, and we jump straight into our set of six for the week and tackle one, and everyone's probably sick of talking about it, but it's a story that just won't go away manly. Week to week, uh, things just keep coming out of there. This week, there was more fines handed down to six or seven players who uh, were senior players. Apparently, Daly Trevins and a couple others fined for the Gladstone uh, ordeal at the stripping, uh, the strip club. Obviously, the fight afterwards. Um, the pressure now on coach Trent Barrett, and there's questions on his position. And is there pressure? Of course, there is. Uh, he probably feels a little hard done by because obviously he wouldn't have come out and said what he said about Jackson Hastings without some players coming to him and then all of a sudden they've rocked up to a New South Wales Cup game and they're all in support of him. So that's kind of torn things a little bit left and right. You've got to have questions on the leaders at that club because Cherry Evans is one of the guys that went out. If he was smart enough and they were given a curfew and told not to go out, surely if you're supportive of your coach and the setup and the culture at your club, you wouldn't have taken those young blokes out. leading, yeah. 100%. Uh, and then on top of that, the injury crisis just continues for them after already being under salary cap pressure, now losing Lock and Croker. He blew his ACL, the poor bastard, the third time. He's done that, plus having shoulder issues uh, along the way there. And then uh, Jack Gozlewski has now got a broken hand, so he's going to be out for six weeks. Yeah, and... plus the injuries they had prior to that. Yeah, well, Tanganoa, Sean Lane, Siren, and et cetera. And after saying that Hastings wasn't going to come back in the first grade, Lyle Gorman comes out and basically Within guarantees two weeks, he's, back. he's going to be playing this weekend, so... Um, this is a very, very awkward situation, and it shows on the field as much as it does off the field. It's the gift that keeps on giving for me. Um, I predicted them to come last. They still may not come last, but, geez, they're not looking real good. No. They, they couldn't beat Newcastle at Brookvale without Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, which doesn't bode very, very well when they lose their marquee signing, their halfback. They get Jack, oh, sorry, Connor Watson back in. They've got two sixes, basically. Playing in the halves, going into Brookvale, looking for some direction. And Manly with Cherry Evans, the Trebojevic brothers, Tapau, etc., Coruscant, uh, injury crisis or not, have still got plenty of marquee players there and can't come up with a result in a time of crisis. So, yeah, If I'm Trent Barrett, I'm jumping before I get pushed. I'm getting out of there. That place is a tyre fire. Lyle Gorman only came out publicly yesterday and he had to be dragged out of the, of the bushes on this one. He's been hiding in his office. But uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's an awkward situation, that's for sure. And I think on his part as well, he's coming late in the piece with all this drama. So taking over that CEO job after being at the Sharks, where he's at least there for a lot of the happenings that had gone on prior to that. Uh, going to Manly, I think not only Trent Barrett you know, in a difficult situation and learning 
what the club's been going through. Uh, you know, people prior to him, obviously Hasler, Tuvi, but Lyle Gorman, I think he's walked into a hell of a job as well. So, uh, yeah, interesting but times. Someone should have came out and supported Trent Barrett. Like, I, I think Trent Barrett's bought a little bit of this on himself, but. You know, he's been let down by the two people who should be helping him the most and his captain and the CEO of the club. Yeah. Not good enough and it'll just be very, very interesting. Phil Gould said last Monday on 100% footy, watch out, there's going to be a huge story that breaks out of Manly. And for me, I thought that was either Barrett was going to quit or he was going to get sacked. So that story didn't break this week, but Gus wouldn't say that unless he knew something. So something must be brewing behind the scenes there at Manly and... Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's a season that just goes from bad to worse. Yep, very awkward start to the year for them. We'll see how things pan out, but yeah, that just keeps coming for Manly, doesn't it? Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, tackle two, short and sharp, but my God, that hit by Dean Faro is one of the best you will ever see. Yeah, what about the people saying it's a shoulder charge? Well, he's got it's, his arm to wrap That's when he ridiculous hit. because a shoulder charge doesn't mean that you do not stick onto the contact. Because he's, he, he tried to wrap his arm. He swung his arm around. Just because he hit and bumped off doesn't mean it's a shoulder charge. No. The definition Ridiculous. of the shoulder charge is tucking the arm in and trying to use yeah, it. and turning your body. Turning. And you can hit front on with the arm tucked in. It still counts as a shoulder charge. But he's made the wrapping effort. As you've seen, just watch some of the games over the weekend. Jai Arrow hits a couple of blokes in that uh, game that I watched. Uh, only a replay of today. Little bits and pieces against the Sharks. Oh, sorry. Yeah, against the Sharks. Yeah. It's the Gold Coast. And... Some of his heavy contact is still bumping off, but with the wrapping motion. Yeah. That was just a man that was flat and blindsided, and he's come in there with perfect intent, technique, and the bend that he's hit him with so much force that how are you supposed to wrap him when you hit him that hard? Hmm. But the number one thing is the arm was out in the wrapping motion when he connected with the shoulder. You're not going to see a better hit. Let's put it that way. That's as clean as it gets. It was almost like a cornerback in NFL. He hawked him. He tracked him even when he changed a little bit of direction and just absolutely pole drove him. It was outstanding. Yeah, it was a cracker hit. You're not going to see one better than that. Uh, the third tackle, this one you obviously floated to me, was the Rugby League Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, Saturday night on Fox Sports. They nominated 25 who will join the original, the 100 greatest ever players that were named. Um, I think that was in 2008 they named that. Yeah, the centenary of Rugby centenary. League. So there'll be six that'll be added to that list, and I just thought it was pretty well done. I thought it was well covered by Fox Sports, uh, and I enjoyed it. I, I like the fact that we've now got a meaningful... Hall of Fame, there's going to be two Immortals, I think they're saying, announced on August the 1st, along with these six, um, I guess, new Hall of Famers. But the list of 25 was pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm um, not going to go through all of them but or, or read them out or focus too much on it, but uh, I thought everyone that was nominated, uh, their statistics and their career highlights, I guess, backed up why they were taken into consideration. So... It's good. It's something to look forward to, and you're not eligible, I think, until... Um, Five years after retirement. Yeah, which is similar to the NFL uh, and how they do the Hall of Fames in America, so I think we're on the right track. The only thing, I haven't looked in it in a great amount of detail and only saw uh, the live part or recorded. I didn't get to watch it over the weekend, but only things I want to know are, can you go again, like in the future? Is there a couple of ballots through, to, like yeah. baseball, like NFL, where you can be eligible, yeah, say, ha- three times to be, to be voted in? Because yeah. I looked at some of those names in like Beaver Menzies, Ricky Stewart, and again, like you, I'm not going to go through them all, Petro, Simon, Deceiver, but if they miss out first time, surely they get another crack. There's, there's some massive names that are going to miss yeah. out from that 25 that they have whittled it down to. Yeah. to I, join don't know, those I don't know 100. for sure, but... I'm only assuming that you, yeah, you have to be nominated multiple times, particularly if you're if you're a judge to be the seventh best player. 
yeah, out of about 25. Like, it's harsh. And we've been going for over 100 years. Again, the cutoff for that and how they come up with that. I, know I, I don't think decades. six is enough. I'd be happy with I don't 10. think so either. I, I looked at the whole time. And, again, I, I need to look more detail into it because it's only something that's popped up How many recently. do the NFL put in? Every year. I think it is six or yeah. eight or something like that every single year. I don't know how many exactly are in there. Uh, for the life of the NFL, something you'd have to look up. But and they've got more players. Yeah. 53 man so I guess yeah I guess from that perspective we have got it right yeah we'll look more into it obviously this week like I said I only really saw that live thing I haven't really heard a lot more about it so well, I think it's only baseball that you're only allowed to be on it for a certain amount of time isn't it or is the NFL the same no I think they're all the same I think you yeah. have like three ballots and if you're not in after that you're basically done but included on the ballot I think you're included on the ballot five years post retirement no, I think you go your five years or whatever till you're eligible, and then I think you get on the ballot for a couple of turns, and if you're not voted in after three tries, that's it. You're not in the Hall of Fame. Something, again, I'd have to look up. But obviously the main example you use is baseball. There's lots of arguments about the guys through the PEDs are. So someone like a Barry Bonds, who people are arguing should be on there regardless, but I'm pretty sure he still hasn't been voted in because people feel so strongly about it. But, um, yeah, good concept nevertheless. We'll, we'll look into it a bit more as to the finer details. But tackle four, uh, one more personal for me, looking on... Friday night, Brad Fittler, good to hear him make some comment about the incumbent Australian and New South Wales front rowers in a critical game or at the back end of the game when they were needed. Aaron Woods, he made a couple of errors, gave away a penalty, and David Clemmer lost his cool and got sin-binned, I hope. And again, he didn't give you know, blatant or hard-out comments as to like they're on the outer, but he basically said he was disappointed that in the crunch time of the game they didn't deliver or stand up for their two teams. I'm really hoping... Um, but they don't just get a walk-up start for New South Wales. From what we've seen in the first eight weeks, both of them are going to be very lucky to play Origin, especially Aaron Woods. Clemmer, I could make some kind of case for, but if they're both in, I'd be very disappointed. And if they are going to make it, they're going to, as far as I'm concerned, need to make a hell of an effort over the next three to four weeks leading into selection to turn my opinion around. Yeah, difficult one. Difficult one. But Freddie, he's got to draw a line in the sand. He can't. He needs to pick this team on form. Well, this is my other it's issue. It's been proven. To stick by these guys is foolish. And look, if Aaron Woods and Dave Clemmer, I know they played for Australia, get it. For me, they're not playing. Well, they're, they're nowhere near as dominant in NRL games as what international should be. Uh, their discipline, which is a huge concern in state of origin, you can't afford to be giving away errors and penalties uh, any more than a handful in an origin game is going to cost you to some degree. So, And that's from the team, not, not let withstanding, you know, Aaron Woods making three or four within the back end of the yeah. game. And he got so hit by a rookie who's in his second game and dropped the football it's, it's simple as you can't have it. You can't have it. And if he's demonstrating that sort of behaviour at club level, Freddie's got to assume that that's going to happen at origin level and he can't pick it. Because there's guys going better than those two at the moment. I know they're the incumbent Australian props or whatever you want to call it, but they're, to me, you've got to pick it on form. But this is my other issue as well because some people are saying, oh, you can't pick Ferguson for the drinking episode last year, but they're willing to put Dugan in. I'm like, well, if you're going to say no, that for I'd, one, I'd you have the, to handcuff. I'd put the, I'd, I wouldn't pick either of them. Well, that's what I'm getting at. People, I'm like, well, hold on a minute. You've just said pick Dugan, but you can't put we, Ferguson we in. We forget really They've, bloody quickly. You, you, particularly New South Wales fans, remember how irate you were when you found out about all that shit exactly. that happened post-game three. Now, you know, time is the greatest healer of them all. We've all sort of gotten over it and forgotten it, yeah. but not me, no. no. I don't think they should ever be selected again. And again, on the flip side of that, what bothers me is people bring that up and say, oh, but you pick Dugan. Though. I'm like, well, if, if you're going to pick either on form, you'd pick Ferguson before you pick Dugan right now. And Dugan left the field injured again on the weekend. So yeah. uh, I'm really interested to see this New South Wales side, much like yourself. But I watched that again on the weekend, heard his comments and thought, I'm 
not reading too much in it, but I'm hoping there's a little bit of a hint there that they've got a very, very short space of time to turn his opinion around because it sounded like he was even a bit disappointed in the back end of their game well, and the way so. they started. He's, he's the got year. every reason to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, tackle five, probably just summing up that the Anzac round was brilliant and in particular Anzac Day, uh, the, the games, the atmosphere. Well, we had, just, uh, yeah. had a day or had an evening at, at, at my place. We had some hamburgers and a couple of Coronas and watched the footy and it was good. Uh, I love it. I absolutely it's... love Anzac Day. It, it, that, that game is still the best game, best club game, I think, of the year. Like, you'll get the odd one, like we had the Dragons-Warriors a week before, which is a top-of-the-table clash. But as far as an occasion goes, those two games, and Melbourne Warriors is coming up on, you know, a similar sort of tradition. And the only, the only way you build that tradition and that aura around the game is to continue with it. And I think it's now been seven or eight years, I think, they've had the Warriors-Storm game. I went to the first ever Roosters- Dragons game because back way back when when I uh, was a massive Freddie Fitler fan I was I was a Rooster supporter so I can remember that first game in two thousand and two uh, and that was a it was a packed house that day it's just that should never ever 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 change as long as we're alive that should always be the two Anzac Day fixtures if they decide to add another one when the comp expands and the game gets bigger etc I don't have a problem with that um, I thought it was fantastic a couple of years ago when it, when the Anzac Day fell on the Saturday and they had the five games. Well, that was awesome as well. So, uh, I love it. It's the the amount of respect that's paid through the crowds. Um, I went to the game yesterday, the Parramatta West Tigers game, and there was not a word, not a word uttered. Some some goose yelled out in between the Australian and New Zealand national anthem, but during the you know the the part where they're doing the the last post and the rouse and the the you know all the speaking from the the army, no one said a peep. Um, and it was it was fantastic. So, well done to the crowds. Well done to the NRL. It, well done to the players because all the games were good. That game yesterday was great. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Best best round of the season so far by a mile. Yep, I've thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And uh, again, like you said, that game in particular, though, Dragons Roosters. I was lucky enough to go uh, in we last year, year yeah. and it was golden point. It was an absolute corker of a game. Obviously, the Roosters. A little disappointing this year, but just the intent, the atmosphere, the crowd, everything about it. And like you said, people going out, paying their respects. They they broke the record, I think, again this year as far as attendance on that game. Mm. Last year, it was like 40,085 or something like that. They got 41,000 this year, so massive And particularly again. with the weather. The weather wasn't looking great. So. No, but it's good when people get into the city, oh, attend the march and the dawn services in there, and then head over to the football. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. It really is. Uh, the last time we got here, similar to a couple of weeks ago, we... We're a quarter of the way through. Now we're a third of the way through. So just some general thoughts um, throughout the season. There's a couple of teams it's really hard to get a read on. The Brisbane Broncos are still very confusing to me. Yeah. Um, started off, again, the forward pack and look at the halves and all the bits and pieces. But I still see little glimpses here and there from Milford. Birds obviously only come back from the injury. Probably the one thing that's probably changed uh, for a team like that, in my opinion, so far at this point is the forward pack. Slowly but surely... Sua getting a chance to start with the potential you heard about him. Payne Haas finally getting his opportunity. Lodge obviously has been steady coming back after missing a couple of years of football. Uh, some of these younger guys that are getting blooded in, plus a Pungai Jr., there's a really nice forward pack building here in the future for Brisbane, uh, along with Josh Maguire. He's got a couple of years left, um, but that's one thing that's impressed me. South's still hard to get a read on uh, as well. They've, they've thrown their hat in the ring against a couple of tough sides, but obviously fallen against a couple more. Melbourne, Melbourne, after a bit of a slow start, look like they've figured things out a little bit. 
the Warriors, a lot of people have already started to bring up that the wheels are falling off. You've got to remember, Isaac Luke went off in that game very early, which does hurt. No Harris, how no long, Johnson, no Carter. He's going to be out for a month. Whoa. Okay. So you take away who arguably has been your best player to start the year. No Johnson going into it. No Carter, no Pulu. Harris missed that game. Uh, Garve hasn't been playing either. There's about six guys there that would start for the Warriors. So, yes, they did get taken apart the other night, but you've got to remember what they did a week earlier. Much, yeah. yeah, but remember what they did a week earlier. A lot of people are saying the wheels get are falling off. But that's off. the Warriors of old, isn't it? The inconsistency. Yeah, but I, one I, game. I broke it down in some tears. I, I had the Storm and the Dragons at the top for me. I think they're the two teams at the moment who I think are right up there. I'd agree with that. Panthers I'm... and the Warriors I've got on the second tier. Yeah, Panthers especially been, doing it without uh, a lot been, of players. Yeah, so are the Warriors, as you just said. Tier 3, so these were the sides who I think have been pretty good. Rabbitohs, Tigers, and the Newcastle Knights. Tier 4, these are the teams, as you said, a little bit unsure on. Roosters, Broncos, Sharks, and Raiders. They've been hot and cold. I think we've seen good signs from Roosters, Broncos, Sharks, Raiders, but we've also seen some stinkers. And then you've got... Eels, Dogs, Cowboys, Manly, Titans, I think have all been super disappointing. Yeah, I, I think the Titans, maybe I'd bump up a little bit, just given... Would you put them in the same class as Roosters, Bron- Roosters well, to Broncos, be honest, Sharks, Raiders? Given the quality of roster, I'd think the Roosters Mind right you, they've, now. They've beaten the Raiders and the Broncos. Yeah, and I think... And should have beaten the Sharks, really, the Titans. But for me, like, he's now he's now gone to playing Bryce Cartwright at 5'8". Like, yeah, well, we'll get onto that more in the match reviews. But if you're going off your tiers there, I wouldn't argue with most of the top end of it. Mm. The only one for me, I... I Give a bigger round of applause to the way Newcastle showed up and won again on the weekend, but I still can't see them playing finals football without no. Mitchell Pearce. Out of the Roosters, Broncos, Sharks and Raiders, who's impressed you more? Roosters. Broncos, Sharks, Raiders. I'd probably have to say the Sharks, given the fact that he has not settled on the spine and that they've been missing players, and it seems every week there's a change in that team. And then on the weekend again, probably a good show to me, more particularly in their depth, that the fact that they had two back rowers in Capewell and Sorensen that are... I've got capable of coming in and doing the I, job. I've got the Raiders. I, I, they threw away three games, as we know, early in the year. They've now won. I think they've won four now. Um, four of eight, or th- is it three of eight? I think I it's four. To, I think yeah. So they've they've got back to a fifty fifty record. So interesting. Well, we'll see if those losses come to hurt them. But there you go. Set of six down. We'll jump straight into our power rankings right now. Number one. No Raiders have only won three. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Three. Yeah. So power rankings. What do you got for me? Number, Number one. one. I've got the Dragons. They. We're good. You know, they won. So I've got them at one. I'm not bumping them off. No, I'm not going to argue with there. I've still got the Dragons at one as well. Uh, the week before, I didn't think they were bad, but the Warriors' defense was absolutely exceptional. They bounced back, short turnaround, uh, you know, that to travel, hard circumstances, and, you know, they beat the Roosters with yep. basically three days prep, so outstanding by them. Number two. Number two, I've got the Melbourne Storm. Yep, they I agree with that. impressive, and they've been great the last month. Uh, huge result. Again, I'll give some credence to the fact that the Warriors are missing five or six players and lost Luke early, plus, again, travel and a short turnaround, but... Melbourne were outstanding. To be 38-0 at halftime, they were exceptional in that first half. Yeah. Uh, number three. The Panthers. I've got the Panthers. They just keep keep doing it. They keep losing players, but they keep turning up. They were great. They you know, were a little bit uh, a little bit rusty in the first half, but I thought the Dogs brought a good attitude and rustled them up a little bit in the first half. But second half, they settled the Panthers and got back into you know the, the methods and the, the structure, I guess, that... He's given them so much um, comfort during the games. They, they, they just look comfortable. They don't look rattled very often. That was probably the first time this year during the first half that I've really thought, oh, shit, Penrith on the ropes here. Uh, but other than that, second half they settled and won. It was good. Well, I've left the Warriors there. 
Um, that's based because I had them at number one last week. And yeah. regardless of the disappointing result, I'm, I'm looking at those names that I've just mentioned. They were disappointing, but I yeah. expect better. Uh, and at four, I'm guessing yours is the flip of I've what I've Warriors, got. Yeah. I've got the Panthers. Great win. They're missing more players than anybody in the competition. They stabilised well again on the weekend. And probably the thing that's impressed me most is uh, Gus talked about it, and I'm seeing more of it this year. A couple of these guys now that have played two or three seasons of first grade, and more particularly the younger forwards. You mm. Fisher Harris, Moses Laota coming off the bench, Harawir and Ira, these guys, even if they're playing out of position, as a pack right now, I think they're one of the best packs in the NRL. Yeah. And they're one of the most aggressive packs in the NRL. You don't want to mess with Penrith. No. Uh, and the dogs tried to mess with Penrith, and I thought Penrith got over the top of them. Yep. Number five. Uh, the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I got the Rabbitohs. Even after that loss. Yeah, they stunk the other and night. And basically throwing that game down like the gutter. Them. I well, like them. I think they're a good side. Um, the Burgess issue obviously doesn't help. They float in and, out of, in and out of games. But and then I look at the rest of these teams. Uh, who, who have you got ahead of them? I left the Tigers at five. Yeah, I think the Rabbitohs the Tigers, would smash the Tigers if they played them. Again, Tigers defensively. I think uh, the right side's been found out a little bit the last two they weeks. They rolled by the heels. They made a couple of errors, but at the same time, I've still liked what I've seen. I think their attacks got better. The defense will be patched up. Uh, I think Packer definitely needs to come back soon, but yeah. I think the last two weeks has just been a bit flat from all the effort they've put in the first six, and all their losses are only by two points. Yeah, I get so that. I've got the Tigers at six. Off consistency, I stick them there. I got Souths at six. The loss the other night to me was very poor. Uh, I thought they had a bit of possession in the first half and they didn't take advantage of it and the fact that they... Brisbane thought, were pretty good. Boys. I thought they were mentally weak, to be honest, for 20 minutes and they didn't want to fight with Brisbane. They got trapped in their own end. No one wanted to take the tough carries and I thought Brisbane got over the top of them. So, mm. uh, Number seven, who you got? Number seven, I have the Newcastle Knights. Wow. Well, oh, well, how, how, yeah, how do I punt them out? Like, I can't, yeah, well, I can't. And these teams that are behind them, they're not showing me anything either. Well, again, like, I could have had Brisbane, I could have had the Roosters, but no. Like, earn your, earn your way in. I hate to say it, uh, and I'm only leaving them out again for the same reason. It's basically because... You're waiting for him to fall over. Pierce isn't there, and I think it's going to hurt when at some point. When they give me a reason to punt him, I will. I've put Cronulla at seven, because, again, uh, the two back rowers coming in late. Uh, you've got Sorensen, I think he's done a good job taking his opportunity. Kate Well coming in there, Paulo Bakuya coming back. Um, it was an ugly win. I thought that to scramble and fight for their lives. I thought the Titans honestly busted them open enough times to try and get a result there, but... Really, really gritty, and I said it every week. The reshuffles in the spine, the constant changes. I'm impressed they've got an even record so far, considering what's happened. Yeah, I've got the Raiders at eight. Well, I've got the Broncos at eight, the Roosters out. And again, up and down, couple of injuries. Don't know quite what to make of them, but every time I seem to put the pen through them or think I'm off them, they've beat the Warriors. Then again, the other night after I thought South were travelling pretty well, they knocked off South. So yeah. um, Brisbane so far, I don't know what to make of them. The Roosters are oh, I do, they're bad. The Roosters have got no excuse. The only real players they're missing right now are Daniel Tupo and another guy from their top 25, Bernard Lewis, who's a winger as well. Yeah, uh, They've got some stuff to sort out. It's not about talent. It's more about uh, coaching and the playing style at the moment. They need to address that very soon. And Newcastle, I'd love to have them in, but it's just more looking at long-term. I, I just can't see them being no, I get in it. or if they but do it's get in. right now. They won. Yeah, so. and if they do get in, it'll be in the bottom end and I can't see them being a real threat. So uh, Newcastle, though, Attitude, application, everything has been absolutely outstanding. So there you go. Set of six to kick things off and obviously our power rankings now. A big thank you to our sponsors. Make sure you can support them in any way if you possibly can. And the first one being the Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the team 
at Penrith Solar Center are devoted to giving you control of your power bill back. Let the sun work for you and your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs, and it may be the difference between good or great seats watching your team in the 2018 NRL Grand Final. Contact the team at Penrith Solar Center today on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners. www.penrithsolar.com. .au. Thanks to Jake and the boys there. And to Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. Thank you to Warren and the boys there. Nepean Boltmaster, your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith and another one at Castle Hill. They cover 1,500 square metres of warehouse and they boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products not only through the region but throughout the state. There's a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster than just fasteners, though. You will also find industrial range tools, engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials and handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total needs resourcing packages for all trades associated with the construction, engineering, and all industry segments. Get on to Nepean Boltmaster more than just nuts and bolts. And poke it a luxe. Anyone who listens to us, if you're the football club, uh, you're in a committee, you're looking for a fundraiser, look no further because with football season just starting back up, they've got over 10 years' experience at Poker Deluxe and they're the industry leaders in raising money for sporting clubs. Paul and Adam are very, very passionate about what they do and committed to helping you raise funds with a $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum with their fundraisers. They provide all the equipment, hosts to run the night and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. Give them a call, get into contact with them because to date, they have raised over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia. So when you're thinking of a fundraiser for 2018, look no further than www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. And last but not least, the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead. Our mates there who took on the charity account yeah. and uh, the professional gamblers, as we said, week in, How week out. How did our charity bet go? Uh, not good. Why? Because what I took Melbourne and the Warriors either side 1-12 to 12, and idiot. the Warriors got absolutely dismantled. I think the other two legs won. won. So, I told you. Didn't I? You know, there you go. I did, told you. So I think we've only had two from seven. There's been a couple of shockers, but like most people's tipping and our own tipping last week, it was four each. Yeah. So most right. weeks so far, tipping hasn't been great. Well, the, uh, the boys, the, my favourite email is the lines and the over-unders. Yep. So um, oh, there was three this week. Three, the Knights manly game to go over, total points, and it went under. So that was one that they, they got wrong. It was close, but probably not as close as you would like if you had a bet. Uh, they had the Raiders plus the line in North Queensland. I think the line was seven and a half or something ridiculous. Yeah, um, considering the way that the Cowboys have been playing, that's a hefty yeah, start. Uh, they took that and won uh, quite co- quite comfortably. And then they took the Tigers minus the line one and a half yesterday. And that, dude, I, I mean, that was close to, I think, the Tigers' worst performance of the year. That was a game they just, every time they got ahead and looked like they were going to kick on, they shot themselves in the foot or gave away a penalty and, Parramatta, they're a desperate side at the moment, and that one went down. So they went one from three with the the Lions this weekend, and they're ones that I'm – it's my favourite email of the week to get that one. I, yep. I, I love it. So I always have a, a pretty decent crack on those. This week I lost a bit of cabbage, but um, I'll back up this week. Uh, yeah, doing a great job. I'm, I'm loving the information. The depth and analysis that they're giving um, is unrivaled. There's, there must be a lot of guys doing research and working hard behind the scenes. so Well, the one thing I can say is I looked at their total package, horses, cricket, NFL, everything they've done. Like we said, the, the most recent one was the NFL. They got a 27% profit yield from the year. Yeah. 
they're back to about minus four or five percent, I think, as of last week. And it's been a difficult season. I think everyone would agree with that. Like, who would have picked the Cowboys yeah, and the Eels to be down the bottom? The back end once you've got some form to go. If on. you stick with it, and we've both stuck with it so far, I've got no doubt after looking at their uh, spreadsheet the other day of all their other programs finishing in the green, the NRL will turn around. So yeah. if you're on board, stick with it. The off there, obviously, still half price for your first month, $99. If you don't get a return on your tips, uh, you obviously get your second month free, no locking contracts, cancel any time you want. And again, to them, the big thank you for taking on the charity account Yeah, because nobody had to do that. Uh, we much appreciate it. We always love to give something at the end of the year or give back. Um, always did that through high school and any of our coaching uh, kind of involvement. So it's nice that someone was willing to come on board and let us continue that trend. Yeah. So uh, big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate. But let's jump in and do some reviews of the games from the weekend. The first one being the Dragons versus the Roosters, that Anzac Day clash. And uh, honestly... Plenty of feeling as there always is, but crazy first set. The Dragons march downfield. Ben Hunt, who this year has made a real habit of running on the last tackle when pressured and making something happen, breaks open to the negative side on the left leg, gives it to Riddop. They kick Fernando McDonald and they score first set. Absolutely insane start to the game. It was crazy. Absolute craziness. But the Dragons, yeah, off the cuff, good footy um, and scored early. Yep. And then after that, scoring that first try, it felt like the Roosters basically had all the possession. All the penalties were parked down inside the 20 of the Dragons for about 15, 20 minutes, but came up with absolutely nothing. Um, all I can say right now is it's telegraphed, it's boring, there's no quick play of the balls, there's no push on anything. Any offloads they're getting are not effective, and Cooper Cronk right now, I don't know quite what way they're going. It looks like they've told him to fit into their system, but he's also trying to push a little bit of what they've done at Melbourne, but they're not Melbourne. Yeah. The service and the manipulation from Jake Friend is not the same or not the same threat off the ground or around the ruck as is someone of a Cameron Smith. Uh, the setups are not the same. The shapes are not the same. They're basically just running a, a double block from edge to yeah, edge from the middle. and taking one back to the post to reset to do the same thing over and over again. He doesn't look like a running threat. Most of the time, his eyes are already at the back. James Tedesco, as I said a couple of weeks ago, looked frustrated, and it's shown because the last two weeks, he's bucked the trend, said, stuff this, I'm not sitting out the edge, and he was super busy again on the weekend, making close to 300 metres and just being on the ball, but... They've got to make a decision very, very soon what way they're going to go as far as the way they want to play their football. Because right now, it's overstructured. He's not looking like a player worth a million dollars, and they don't look like they've tried to fit him in or incorporate him uh, as well into the system. If, if they've bought him, paid a million, and this was my concern last year, and I said it, and just said, you're going to fit in with us, I think that's insane. Because he's been a system player. He was manufactured to play halfback in that setup in Melbourne. If you've paid a million dollars thinking he's just going to all of a sudden become an ad-lib eyes up football player, which no offence to him is not his strong point, they've got another thing coming. Well, exactly right. He, he, Andrew John said it best in commentary, like you've got a Ferrari and you're not driving it. So we, you, you're not giving it the key. So, you know, it was it was the two glaring ones are Latrell Mitchell and James Tedesco, and they're not getting enough football. And that's why the Roosters' attack is ordinary. It's predictable. It's just have a crack, get back to the middle, have another crack, get back to the middle, have another crack. It's just... I've got question marks over what they're doing at the moment. They're, they're a third of the way through the season. I thought the cracks that have appeared would have been fixed by now, and it's getting to the point where I think they're four and four. So it's not panic stations. like that'll, that'll land them at the bottom of the eight, but it's a team that you would have thought would challenge for the grand final. And at the moment, they're not going to do that. But you need to decide how you want to play. They don't look like they've decided. Or well, they have it, decided how they're going to play, and it doesn't suit the players that they've got. So they need to adjust. They need to change it. The, the way that they're playing is to the middle and splitting the field and playing to, to each edge. They're not playing alongside at all. 
Well, it's overstructured as far as I'm concerned. It's very overstructured. Well, it is overstructured and because, it's killing. Because, because teams on video now will watch the Roosters' first eight games and know that in good ball, they just get to the middle and they'll just play to an edge. Yeah. And they did it against the Bulldogs the week before and they, they couldn't crack the Bulldogs. Highlighting this as well, though, is after all that gladder possession, everything they've done, the Dragons get the moral victory when they take the two. And you see the celebrations within their team and why they made some errors and didn't really help themselves out. Late in the half, they get an opportunity they go down the far end, literally starting the half with a try, finishing the half with a try. And who is it again? It's Ben Hunt. Eyes up football. The one thing playing out there off the cuff, as you should be doing, and as is becoming the trend back into the NRL, breaking uh, the mould a little bit more with the speed of play uh, and less interchanges, etc. over the last couple of years. Ben Hunt was outstanding to, to spot that on the last tackle. He saw that he had caught and it turned out his inside shoulder was exposed and there was only one marker and you wouldn't want anyone else left alone at Marco rather than Luke Keery, the smallest bloke on the field. Yeah. But it was a great heads-up play to end the half and to be 12-2. Um, that if the Roosters come in the second half, you're really, really worried. And you know what? It basically stayed that way. I, I think they lost the middle third convincingly to the Dragons. I think they got dominated in that sense. Well, that's what I said in the preview. I, I couldn't see them winning the middle of the field. Nah, and Nene's set starts, as they have been all year, have been outstanding. Nightingale chipped in very, very well. The whole back five chipped in very, very well. On that note, and... Cooper Cronk must have been having nightmares because all day Tarek Sims was all over him and the nightmare didn't get any better when he ran over him to score that try and caught him out because he tends to come up and hold and hold and he tried to shuffle out and release and Tarek Sims just went straight on his inside shoulder as well. So yeah. uh, the McDonald try was a joke there. That was definitely a drop football. People out there have been going back and forth arguing about it, saying he grounded it but technically he didn't have control of the football. If you're grounding it off a kick, I know you can make arguments for rules with inside the field or outside the field or... Uh, you know, scoring off the kick, technically you don't have control. Sometimes you ground it. But if you're holding the football and you drop it and then ground it, it is a knock-on. Come on, you've got to have control of the ball. Yeah. Um, but the thing that frustrates me, we just talk about playing over structure for the Roosters. What was the one try they scored? Breaking the mould of structure. They got an offload. Kiri played eyes up. They saw a man out the back there slide a kick through through Latrell Mitchell. It was good eyes up football off just running hard, pushing in numbers, getting a quick play of the ball and an offload and playing off the back of it. Yeah. And it's... Like, surely you just look at that in the video and go, that's what we need to get back to doing. We need to go punching through the middle, push those numbers through, get Tedesco around our forwards, and then our halves just play off the back of it. And let Cooper Cronk pick his moments, do your fifth tackle options. And that, that's the other thing. Jake Friend, kicking license, revoked. No more kicking. Uh, it's yep. just frustrating all around, same, I guess, same, for the same, Roosters. Same. Um, yeah, very, very frustrating. But it just shows. 20 offloads to seven. Uh, the Dragons much more effective in that middle third, breaking things up, breaking them down, and the line breaks four to one. The Roosters very much struggle to punch through them because they're not generating any ruck speed. They're not doing enough to create opportunities to move the football, whereas the Dragons are happy to share between the halves, link up, play long sides, play through the middle off offloads. They're a much better football side at this point in time than what the Roosters are. Absolutely. So, moving on from that one, Melbourne uh, against the Warriors. This one doesn't need a lot of excuse. 50 to 10, they were absolutely blown away. And I said it the week before, Melbourne have changed their attack a little bit um, and they've seemed to be better and better the last couple of years at doing this and just, you know, changing their game plan and slightly evolving as they always have over time. But more so, last year, they finally flipped things over to being one of the better attacking sides after being such a defensive juggernaut for so long. But this year, again, um, the setups in the centre of the field off the quick play the balls that they get from those bigger men, especially a Nelson, a Sofa Solomona, and then those nice wide passes straight away, getting away from the ruck, the long-to-short combination passes, which we talked about last week, just pulling edges apart or getting guys to make poor decisions or having indecision is really working very well for Melbourne at the moment. They're getting guys to bite in or hold long enough for them to engage the line. 
Billy Slater playing both sides of the field. Cameron Munster is taking his game to a whole new level playing at number six, and I didn't think he had the capability more so to play. I, not that he can't play there, but I still see him more as a fullback. But the way he's playing six at the moment, this this is kind of – it's very impressive. It is very, very impressive. Jack's steady as anything. Felice Cafusi coming back in very, very good. Curtis Scott absolutely gave a bath on the other edge to Anthony Gelling in the early stages, and – 38 nil. they're up at one point. They were absolutely dominant, and they tore the edges apart of the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors were terrible. Second half, people saying, oh, you know, second half, it was pretty even game. Well, that's because the Storm took the foot off the pedal, as if you wouldn't when you're up 38 nil. So, Well, I'll put it to you the, another the, the way. Warriors didn't, the Warriors didn't handle the pace and the physicality that Melbourne bought. They didn't turn up with their attitude. No, and the attack was exceptional. Uh, yeah, some, of those, some of those shapes. and Defence like was shit. I'll give that, but you can't exactly question the quick play of the ball. No, that- no, I'll get that. that. That's as good as Melbourne have played all year. But no team should blow the doors off a team like that. 38 nil and a half of football is inexcusable. I don't care who you're playing or how good the attack is. It's yep. disgusting. Well, and again, probably to highlight things in the second half, people saying it was an even game. They had 15 minutes down there. Melbourne game. turned them away time after time after time. And a stat that I think someone brought up in the preseason, I explained this, they go, oh, well, Big problem for Melbourne that their wingers concede the most tries in the competition. I'm like, well, clearly you don't understand like a defensive setup for a team. You want teams, if they're going to score, to yeah, score on your point. flanks because it's the hardest spot to kick from. And playing inside shoulder defense and pressuring, you look at the way they had to score their two tries after basically parking themselves in Melbourne's 20 for 15 minutes. David Fusitua was given absolutely no room to get those two tries down. He is probably if not one of the best wingers, one of the best finisher in the competition or close to when he gets vertical. And it took every bit of skill and him getting off the ground to get a blade of grass to score those tries because Melbourne was so good in the middle, forcing them to get out wide and try and generate some speed and scrambling off off offloads and the roll-on to make him score. And the one in particular was that pass from Petaheku. If you want to see a photographed or framed pass of what a centre needs to do, catch pass, Petaheku's was the perfect example. Caught out in front. Two hands, clean transition, no skips, no hops. He didn't run overs. He didn't cut back in square, straight at the man in front of him. Bang, ball out in front of Fussy Tua. He didn't have to readjust it or regrip it. Straight into the hands, vertical, body outside, grounding. Hmm. But you could not be probably happier, and I was going to say it to you again, as a coach, watching Melbourne, if you were Craig Bellamy, for 10, 15 minutes, just turn him away, absorbing pressure, and the way that the Warriors had to score. They literally had to get Fussy Tua airborne twice and putting on the last blade of grass to get those two tries. And then the back end, Adokar's individual effort from dummy half, um, or his second try, sorry, was exceptional. And then the Billy Slater break, passing off to Jax to get his second. Uh, they iced that one to make it a 50-point blowout. Um, again, you, you could give superlatives to a lot of the Melbourne players because they were exceptional as a group. But in particular, the last couple of week, uh, weeks, Smith and Slater, much more prominent in leading this change. The forward pack laying the platform, and Cameron Munster has been outstanding. Absolutely, yeah. Too good. Warriors, um, obviously for them, a bit of a flat week, short turnaround, hard ask. Uh, no Harris, Luke going off earlier there, and they've got some concerns. But hopefully this week they're looking to get back Tohu from his concussion, maybe Carter, and hopefully Johnson. So that's definitely going to help. The nine stakes, Tavunga's going to be playing there because Nathaniel Roach is out for the season and Luke looks to miss a month. But that hurts big time because Luke has been probably the form nine to start the year so far. He's been outstanding. Yeah. So... Scrap that one. Uh, I'm willing to give them a pass for this week, despite how poor that is, and see oh, yeah. how they come up. Six I don't and two. Give them a pass. Six and two. Good start to the season. I'm willing to give them a bit of a shimmy on that one, even though they got dusted, and see what happens. But for Melbourne, uh, they've got a bit of an injury toll creeping up as well. Glasby broke his thumb in that one. Curtis Scott, Cinders Moses is going to be out for a few weeks. Bromwich is already missing for six weeks, and 
obviously Vunavalu and Fanuku are missing. So I'm pretty impressed that they've missed some players and they've been able to kick on as well. So um, tough ass this week against the Dragons if they're going to be missing a couple more. But Suli and Fanukan are possibilities of being back. But we don't know that because obviously we're recording on a Monday and there's no team list yet. So yeah. uh, see what happens there. South versus Broncos. Now this one, I want to get your opinion more so because you've been pretty big on South and you're pretty keen to put them in your eight. The first half for me, I think, with possession and territory, I thought they needed to score some more points. And honestly, in the back end of the game, in particular that 20-minute period where they made a couple of errors, Brisbane got some repeats and penalties, I thought they were mentally weak. And I think that a lot of guys didn't want to take the carries and help them get out of yardage. And then the back-breaking moment for me is when they finally completed a set and got themselves out of there after conceding the seven-tackle set when Reynolds kicked it. And they went down the other end and scored off Corey Oates when Opechak offered that football. But that 20-minute period in particular... Uh, in the second half, I thought they showed a bit of mental weakness. They weren't willing to get in the, the arm wrestle there with Brisbane, and I thought Brisbane really put it over the top of them in that period in particular. Yeah, it's fair. I, South, it was just a case of them shooting themselves in the foot. They lacked patience. They made a lot of errors, gave away penalties. Yeah, they're their own worst enemy. But I, they're a good football, so I'm not going to judge them on one game. They're, um, they're a better side than Brisbane. I'm convinced of that, because even at the back end of the game, South sort of clicked a little bit, and they had a chance to win. Um when they, the way they play, they should have had no right to win that game. So they're, they're a side that's getting getting better. They're attacking with different shapes. I like that about them. They're, they're well coached. So I, I'm, I'll stick by every prediction that I've made on South, and I think they're good. Um, and until they're not, I'll keep I'll keep tipping them. Well, the first try was a gift. Uh, Bird obviously dropped that football, but the second one was that left-edge player, which they've gone to so heavily. Uh, the yeah, wrap there's around, always a different mix on it. The double lead. It's they, never the same movement on it. There's always a variation, and it makes it very, very hard to defend. Yeah, Broncos found a try, um, and obviously they were denied one just before halftime when Nicarima was held up, but he was very dangerous when he came off the bench for Maguire, who's obviously going to be missing for four to six weeks. So the injury toll uh, hurts Brisbane again as well. But second half there, I thought Nicarima was very, very good at dummy half. That bench roll suits him to a T. To me, he's an impact player. Or just roaming around the field doing what he wants. In the halves, playing as a seven. He's not a seven. He doesn't play a controlled game. He doesn't shouldn't be running aside. He should be free, a bit like Milford. Uh, even though Milford uh, you know, is, has to basically play more as a seven, more so than a six, given the players that they've got at the moment. But second half, uh, you know, South's under the pump a little bit there, got back to 12 all. They took that penalty goal, and then, like you said, they shot themselves in the foot straight away. They made that error, and then it just felt like for 15, 20 minutes, Brisbane just trapped them in their own half. They just got over the top of them. Corey Oates was exceptional, and he has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's good. That try he scored was brilliant. Uh, Roberts off the grubber from Milford. Good vision again from him. He's getting much better in that sense. But those late chances, I'm going to be honest, I thought Sutton's trial was a forward pass, the one he broke through on. What was more bothering for me, if you're Wayne Bennett in Brisbane, they used that lead run three or four times, and Sutton basically went through three or four times on the same shape when you saw it coming. Um, Alex Johnson as well, the execution on that pass when he had that line break. He had two players back inside. That was very, very poor in a try gone begging, I think. Uh, oh, sorry, Cody Walker. Yeah. Cody Walker got through there and he should have found Johnston. But um, yeah, 24-20, that one finished. Those young forwards, though, that's the one thing as the year's gone that's impressed me. There's a nice pack building here. Jaden Seward done a good job. Payne Haas heard so much. 18, still hasn't even turned nine years old yet. He's outstanding. Lodge doing a good job. Offhand Galway's woken up and Pengai Jr.'s really come to the fore. So there's a good core group of young forwards there for Brisbane moving forward. I still think they need to add a veteran front row or someone to help that group out there when Thiday obviously is going to be out of the picture. Gillette, um, you know, he's got plenty of football under his belt and a Maguire if he's going to keep playing 13. I still think they're a front row short. No, they are. Some of those young guys fairly impressive and clearly they still need a seven going forward. 
you're not going to convince me otherwise that Milford and Bird are your long-term halves pairing. They need a genuine number seven. They do. Yeah, we, we've highlighted that since the start of the year. So. Yep. Newcastle, Manly, 18-12. Uh, this is a tough win. And to be honest, take Mitchell Pearce out. Go to Lotto Land. Tough ask for them against a team that had 57% of possession, but they still found a way. And some players' names probably come up week after week on here, and people listening might go, Jesus Christ, I like to blow his trumpet. But Callum Ponger is an exceptional footballer. Yeah. He's an paid, exceptional footballer. I said it early doors. I I think they've paid value for they're getting value for money more than value for money, and they 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 would have expected to have been paying him overs based on what he was going to put out this year. But if he hasn't been one of the best five players in the competition this year, then I'm a bad judge. He has been. He certainly has been. And again, the ability to break tackles, keep the ball alive, make space for those around him, and again, it's something that's been hard to get used to. Lachlan Fitzgibbon multiple weeks has said that. At training, he dropped a lot of football. He struggled to run off him because he's just so unpredictable. My God, you want to hang around him, don't you? Yeah. Um, you've just got to be there in some capacity. The Haas pairing, probably two guys that are more used to playing six and Cogger and Watson. It was a little bit rusty, but I thought they did enough. The kicking game was the big thing that was missing without Mitchell Pierce yep. and the general talk and direction. But um, even in a forward pack that I thought was run over a little bit at times by Marty Tapau and Adam Fanua Blake, and I will give credit if there's one bloke to... Uh, Marty Tapia, 15 tackle breaks, 270-something metres and 40 tackles. He had a massive game the other night. But uh, overall for Manly, coming out in that second half after 6-4, second half, when Lane crashed over there, I kind of thought this could get ugly for Newcastle. It's not a good way to start the half. It was pretty soft. Yeah. But to their credit, they fought back. Manly didn't help themselves. They made some errors. Uh, you know, things obviously off the field and on the field aren't going very, very good at the moment. And then Lock and Coca blows out the ACL. Gozlewski goes off with a broken hand and... Newcastle rolled the dice, forget the field goal, and they were screaming for it. And I'm pretty sure it was Cogger, and he was blowing up. They run the short side. They get the try there with Ross, and they just throw the kitchen sink at them, don't they? They just refuse to go away. Well, they did, yeah. They. Well, look, I know that Manly uh, obviously lost some players, and um, you know they, they weren't at their best at the back end of that game. But you can only beat what's in front of you. And Newcastle were missing Mitchell Pearce. I just thought their application, their effort, and Manly, Manly didn't give them many opportunities. Manly's completion rate was very high. Um, you know, I thought they put themselves, well, they gave themselves every possible chance to win. So it was a well earned victory for Newcastle. They haven't won at Brookvale in, I think Andrew Johns was a the halfback, they said, the last time. Um, they'd won a game at Brookvale. So very, very difficult. I think the last time they, they won a game at Brookvale since Oh, sorry. The last time they beat Manly when trailing at half time was a nineteen ninety seven grand final. Well, it's so, the first time in a long time. I, I think they sort of beat them twice in a year as well. You've got to take into account um, Manly's desperation. Manly certainly aren't a side that's going to go. Oh, you know, we don't really want to win this game. No, and despite being a bit light on, I bring it up again. If you want to talk about marquee or rep footballers, you've got the Trebojevic brothers, you've got Daly Evans, Corsi has been mentioned in Origin. I still don't think know how people can talk about McInnes. Being behind him in that rank, that's confusing to me. Marty Tapau, Dylan Walker, they've still got some exceptional players Why maybe being lied on in their whole squad. They've yeah. got some marquee names in there that have played enough football uh, in enough big games to do something for them, yeah. and they couldn't find a way. But this situation just gets more interesting moving forward, as we said, for given the off-field situation for Manly. Yeah. Um, but Newcastle, great win. And the other player as well, you want to talk about value for money. How Brisbane... Weren't keen to pay SASA four hundred thousand is beyond me, and he's a front row they could use right now. SASA was massive and has been outstanding this whole year, and yep. he's been great for his new club, Newcastle. He'll be great helping out the Twins moving forward. Um, Lillian and these guys, obviously, just a quick plug in. 
they're talking about getting Armour. If they can have Armour and SASA next year to keep helping with the Twins and moving forward, that's pretty, pretty good. Um, along with a young bloke who's only still 19, 20 years old, playing cup in Pasami Solo, who's another front row. So SASA, Ponga. The two standouts in Griffin from Melbourne. I like Griffin as a player. I like him as a nine. Uh, but I thought he was pretty Barry Basics, to be honest. thought 13 might have suited him more like a Hinchcliffe or whatever. But he's doing a really good job so far for Newcastle in that role. And he's just steady and holds down the middle for him for a pack that's obviously still very, very young. But uh, full credit to him for the job he's done so yep, far. Agreed. Uh, moving on to the Panthers and the Dogs. And you couldn't have many more players out. They're already missing Waka Blake, Tyra May. Uh, Nathan Cleary, Tim Brown obviously got injured, Mansour, McKendry, a couple of these guys early in the year. And then coming to this one, Wallace pulls out just before kickoff. Edwards gets hurt early on. They have to completely reshuffle the back line. They've got back rows playing in the centres. Uh, I did find it a bit confusing that Griffin decided to play kick out at centre defensively before Yo uh, when they got pulled apart on that try. And then Dallin probably showed a bit of rustiness not playing fullback because when Farah held up that edge, uh, and got a man to come across and cover and slid off to the winger. Dallin followed him, even though he's about 10 metres in behind, leaving that massive hole for Hopawade. But to lose those guys early on, concede those two tries and be down 12-2 and come back the way they did, massive credit to a team that's just been throwing curveball after curveball and keep coming back too. They've been down multiple times, and this is another win from behind this season for the Penrith Panthers. And the young forward pack, led by Maloney, guiding things around, outstanding. Layota has been great. Fisher Harris, since he's moved to lock, and I said I thought he was a middle, not an edge. He's been exceptional um, every single week. Even Tarmow coming off the bench now, I think he's playing some better football. And I said before that I had no problem with Marin playing the front row, and he basically is a front row, and I think he's taken to that role much better as well. It's simplified his game. Yeah, he's a prop. Well, he is a prop. Yeah, he's a prop. 13 so, is a prop, just so he can usually play more minutes. Sometimes plays a link man, but he generally playing for 80 minutes, you don't get the best out of him. I think playing 65 or whatever he can at prop, much more beneficial to you. Fisher-Harris is better in that 13 role. You've got a lot of young guys there. Your Harawira Nairas, your Yos, when you've got all these guys back. But more than anything, they've got a young, hungry, dynamic forward pack with lots of leg speed, offloads. You've got Kikau who's damaging on one edge. You've got Harawira Nairas can play the other one, who's also versatile enough to play centers. Laota coming off the bench is plenty angry. Um, Eden Hetherington getting his opportunities and um, Tamiya doing his job, Marin doing their job, and James Maloney just plugging in and He's doing a hell of a job. And even Sione Katoa. I wasn't too sure Katoa could maybe come in and do that job. I thought they might need to have kept the rain. But his two games, why some of the kicks have been poor, and he had a couple of seven-tackle sets the other night, the tempo that he plays with from dummy half and just playing direct and getting downfield suits the way that forward pack plays. Young, aggressive, and up-tempo. Yeah. He's been great the last two they, weeks. As I said earlier, they look rattled early. Uh, they really balanced themselves during the halftime break, came out. Uh, they look much more composed, much more purposeful than what they were doing, and the Bulldogs didn't have an answer. And I thought the Bulldogs' application and effort was really good. They struggled, the Bulldogs, to put points on the board, but they really rattled them with their effort and their enthusiasm. But I think it's a game Penrith probably would have lost in the last two seasons when, they, when they've been you know, trying to blood a lot of these young kids. But that was a real big step forward, I think, um, for Penrith in knowing how to win a game that's not flashy. They really grounded out... And as you said, they really needed to step up from the physicality standpoint. And if anything, I thought first half they were probably dominated, but second half they stepped up, they dominated, and then uh, you know really came over the top of the Bulldogs. Yeah, and the end of that game um, and highlighted, as I brought up earlier, Clemmer and Woods, if they're the incumbents, you want to see 
a bit more leadership or a bit more guidance. And Clemmer obviously got himself thrown in the bin, baited by those Penrith forwards. They kept their composure, kept stringing him along, and he got himself sent off after Farre put on what was a completely legal hit, in our opinion. Everyone else's, and even Jackson was whinging about it. I don't know why. And uh, Woods trying to play halfback instead of being a front row. The bread and butter, and especially at origin level, tuck the football, run hard, get out of the ad line, get between defenders or break tackles and play the ball first before you ball play. Why he's running in the line, ball in two hands, trying to ball play all the time, throwing shit passes, uh, making errors, and more embarrassing again. I think the third one was hit by Jack Hetherington, who's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid in his second game of first grade at a crunch time in the game. Mm. It's just not good enough from two guys that are apparently our best two front rows if they're the Australian front rows. And like I said, if they get picked, I, I could justify maybe Clemmer. I think he's had some better games where he just knows his job at times. He did lose his temper the other night, but Aaron Woods at this point in time, if he's picked, that'll do, man. That's exceptional. Um, I think Freddie's smart enough to probably see that, but unless he has absolute barn burners the next two to three weeks before the team's picked, there's no way he can be selected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the question for them is points again. Um, they're averaging about 14 points a game. They're struggling to score there. Four, and I think doing as much as you can and buy tries as much as you can at the back, but you're only as good as your forward pack. And at the right now, their forward pack's still not quite up to scratch. And they've got some things off field. The board's obviously got some changes coming through. The salary cap situation left by Hasler, as has happened again uh, in the past at Manly for Jeff Tuvey. Interesting times ahead, as we've said, for the Bulldogs, and it's not going to be fixed overnight. No, absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. Cronulla Titans, uh, this game summed up perfectly by what Cronulla love. Just gritty, an ugly game, a grind. But I actually quite enjoyed this one. I thought it was pretty entertaining. And to be honest... I don't know what game you're watching. If I'm going to throw it out there, I think uh, the most important thing for me or the most impressive part was Cronulla were shot multiple times or taken apart by the Titans. And they scrambled, they held them up. They just wouldn't go away. It was crap. It was the ultimate Cronulla game. A crap game. Um, Struggled (laughs) to watch it. It was terrible. I don't know how you can say it was a good game. It was was... was scrappy as all hell. Cronulla, that was Cronulla to a T. But Cronulla have multiple players out. They're a far better side, you know, when they've got all their, their players on the field. If the Titans were ever going to beat Cronulla, that was a day. Um, yeah. Well, Townsend, <laughs> mate. comes up with that flick pass at the end of the game. Like, fuck me. Honestly. Gets the ball back. They drop the footy. We get it. Six again. Two, two and a half minutes to go. Five metres out from their line. He doesn't hit the winger who was open. Could have scored in the left corner. Would have won the game. Instead, he doesn't pass. Flicks it out his ass. Gives them the ball. Then we uh, they make a line break, they kick a field goal, and that's the game. Yeah, like unbelievable. If if you drop Kane LG for what he did the previous week, Bryce Cartwright should be dropped this weekend for that bullshit flick pass. And Garth Brennan, you should sack yourself for playing him at five eight. Like Penrith got rid of him because he, he he's not a five eight. It wasn't working when yeah. you play him at five and eight. And he doesn't defend well enough in the back row, and how, he doesn't run like, the ball. How do they enough. drop Kane LG? People well, go, oh, he misses tackles. Okay, so he misses tackles. So does Ash Taylor. He misses tackles. But he's going to generate some points. I, I I, would bet my heart and soul on that if Kane LG plays in that game, the Titans win. Well, what did I say? No, no, I've got no doubt in my mind. I must be a bad judge because I said the two weeks before that, that LG had played two of his better games. LG's especially not a great attack. defender. No, he never has been. But that edge doesn't help. Him, Copley, and all those guys usually piece together. It hasn't exactly been what, an outstanding way. He doesn't throw flick balls out his ass on play one, two and a half minutes uh, out from 
full time. Oh, I just and I've got the other suggestion which frustrated me before. I said it. If you're going to drop LG, you play AJ Brimson. You play the kid that yeah, was in well, the twenties team of the that year that's... who's been playing well in cup. You play pick LG. a genuine six if you're not going to play, play that. Cartwright is not your six. Play LG. Yeah, but if you if you, he's on the outer and you've Why got is this, he on the outer? I don't, I don't, well, I don't he's off contract. It. He's on a big money, and obviously they're not a fan. But what I'm saying, plain he's and simple, if you're not going to play a genuine six there, don't put in a bloke who's already proved he's not a six. Play the kid that killed the twenties last year. They started well. It was a shit game. It was the worst game of the weekend by a mile. Started well in New South. Uh, sorry, Queensland Cup. If Brimson is the real deal, or if you're going to move off LG, at least play a six in the position. Mm. That's all I'm asking. But the highlight every single week, and I said it before, and I'll say it again. And the reshuffle needs to happen. It may not matter now because Maguire's injured, but Jair is playing for Queensland. He's playing for Queensland. I don't know. I, I, if he's yeah, not playing for I'm Queensland, I'm not here. He's been exceptional. He's been your best player by a country mile, along with Jared Wallace. I haven't really looked at the the Queensland side, but he's he's certainly playing. Well, Wallace is guaranteed walk up start for the front row. Napa's been ordinary. Maguire, if they were going to play him at lock, I'm looking at the bench going. Well, who are yeah, your other again, front rowers? It's, it's still a fair way away. Let's not get into that. Oh, but yeah, like his form at the moment's good, and he's certainly got to be. He's not in just good. He's exceptional. He's one of the been one of the best yeah. forwards to start the competition his so first far. Full on season in first grade. Bucks. If you're Coming Starting. into games, offloading three to four times as a 21, 22-year-old, punching out 40 tackles and being effective for the yeah. whole game and making almost 200 metres. We'll see. He's a good footballer. We'll um, him and Jared Wallace were the two standouts. I also think Rain honestly looks Rain better at nine good. than Pete's. Uh, occasionally, he can come up with a miss, but compared to Pete's, he offers a lot more with the ball. He's much sharper at a dummy half. He scored the only try. Shark side of things, like you said, ugly, gritty, no Graham, no Gallon, no Lewis. Uh, I think it was a good show of their depth. Though. I think Sorensen's right. taken his opportunity. Matt Pryor put himself out of hospital. That's right. Kate Well. Kate he still Will, couldn't beat him. Underrated player to me. I still reckon Kate Well. Fafita's been injured the last couple of weeks. Even though he's a bit bung on that knee, he was good. But I thought he, that was probably his best game of the year, Fafita. Given all the uh, chances and times I opened them up, I was just super impressed with their goal line defense. But for both teams, inside 20, um, some questions. And for the Sharks, still inside 20. They've got some stuff to work on. Uh, Matt Moylan looked a bit more... Sturdy this week, just playing off the back of Townsend, who I thought his kicking game was exceptional, but ugly win, but it's got Cronulla written all over it. And the fact they've got to four and four, given the way the year started off and all the changes, uh, you know, I reckon it's a credit to them. But Titans definitely got some things to work on. But pick a real six, please. Uh, Raiders and Cowboys, 18 to eight. This one here, the Raiders obviously getting that win. More possession, more chances, but just flat out sloppy again from the Cowboys. And after last week, not reading a whole lot into it, but thinking they gave themselves somewhat of a chance uh, in this one. They were just flat again. They were very slow. Uh, the middles, they really, really struggled. I think the intent was kind of gone out of there. And, and probably one of the big problems for me to start this season off so far is their yardage. I, I really think they're struggling coming out of yardage. And uh, uh, it's hard to question the bloke, but I've still got to throw it out that I think Jonathan Thurston still has too many touches of the football. And, the fact that Morgan's playing second fiddle and just sitting out, out on that edge after what we've seen from him at the back end of last year is just dumbfounding to me right now and how they haven't incorporated him more back into the side given what he did for them at the back end of last year. Yeah, totally agree. And the Cowboys' woes just continue. They were dominated through the middle of the field. Uh, they've lost Jordan McLean, obviously, as well, which isn't helping, but they just look flat. I think that's the word that I'd have to use. I'm really finding it hard to put my finger on what the issue is, but I think they're probably too good of mates, Thurston and, and Morgan. They sort of don't really... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to overcall each other? It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. They're just trying to find their, find their groove, but they're lacking confidence. I kind of find it. And the season's ticking away. I find it the opposite way. I think Morgan's too kind and he's just accepted that's, that's it. That's my point, yeah. That, that Paul Thurston's Green needs to in. address it as well. And I think Thurston still hasn't addressed what we said before. It's no knock on the bloke because he's an outstanding career, but you've come off an injury. You're a step slower than what you were. You're handling the football too much and you've got this ridiculous weapon which led you to a grand final charge last year, along with the forward pack that laid a good line, but he was the primary ball handler. He was on everything. He played both sides of the field. He had a lot more involvement than just being second fiddle sitting on the right edge. And for all those touches, and I said that before, most touches in the comp, Jonathan Thurston, if that's not 50-50 share, not 70 to 30 or something, look, it is at the moment, I'm not here. Yeah. And he needs to be taking more primary care because who's taking over this team next year? Malcolm Morgan is. Yeah. So I'm not saying Thurston plays second fiddle, but sit back, relax, let the, let the young bloke dominate things or control the football and you pick your moments. You shouldn't be handling so much football, but that forward pack, uh, Matt Scott definitely not quite the player he was come back in. A couple of those guys obviously look a step slower and... Um, there's talk now that Lachlan Coote possibly might be pushed out of the way. Todd Carney played fullback on the weekend. There's talk that Michael Morgan might go back to fullback instead and Tamari Martin go into the halves with Thurston or some sort of reshuffle to try and kickstart their season. But again, when you're not laying a platform in the middle, middle bar a Tamalolo, who a lot of teams will do a better job on, and you don't have a good set start in yardage, which I think they're struggling with as well, it's going to be hard to generate any momentum. But Thurston, for me, is that's the number one thing right now. Those touches and Morgan just being deployed on that edge has to change. Ford Pack needs to step up and the yardage game needs to get better. Yeah. But right, well, you've got to give the Raiders some credit. I am. I'm about to bring they that were, up. Um, Their Ford Pack was great. They were awesome. Caesar, the last month or so, has definitely shown that he's a worthwhile asset. His kicking game has been exceptional. The try he scored was good. And probably highlighting again the, the, the middles of uh, the Cowboys and their struggles. Josh Papali's crash over from Harvey was pretty soft, but the second effort by Harvey was exceptional. He carried four blokes over the line to ice that game, and uh, their goal line defense, even with the Cowboys having the bulk of possession, was really, really good, Canberra. They were really, really good. And the yardage work of Nick Kotrick and Jordan Rapana in particular was outstanding, starting their sets off. They were great. Yeah. Um, Austin looks much more comfortable, as I said the other week, just staying off the ball. He's not a great organizer. He's not a great ball player. Caesar steering the ship is the perfect way to things to go. That forward pack does a really, really good job rolling upfield. Those yardage players, in particular, those two wingers, like I said, start things off exceptionally. Lay Lewis found a bit more balance and that energy sort of back for him. So signs aren't bad. And, and the way they're using their bench again, I think Boyd and Lou, Dunamis Lou, Louie, who's been to a couple of clubs, has been much better um, this year. So they're getting a little bit more out of their bench there. And Harvey, I've got to say, I didn't expect him to grow into this role as well as he has, but he's been a lot better the last couple of weeks for Canberra, yeah. filling in for Josh Hodgson. Yeah, he's so. naturally just going to get better, but... His impact on that game was significant. Yeah, uh, good win for them. Uh, obviously, it'd be a much better situation if they didn't lose those few games. But yeah, I'd be interested to see if the Cowboys do make any changes or if they call anyone up from uh, Cup or what the deal is. But uh, their season is on life support right now. It is on major life support. Yep. And it's going to take some serious shock or adrenaline to bring them back. Because again, I've said it before, Origin's going to touch them regardless of what anyone thinks. There's going to be a couple of guys, in particular Morgan, who's going to be there in some form. 
Hess more likely as well. In the back row, does Cooper get another game? I'm not too sure, but there's going to be a couple of games, guys still playing Origin. Uh, and the last one we've got here, Eels-Tigers yesterday. We brought this up. Back and forth game uh, for 20 minutes or so there. It was pretty tight game, territory-wise. They were ripping into each other. And then Isan Masters just on a bit of a turn in line there. He's been in great form to start the season. One of the best offloaders and dummy half-runners in the competition. Sends Thompson over. And you think, here we go. The game's going to flow from there. And it it certainly did. Uh, there was five lead changes in this game. It was very back and forth. Every time you felt one team was getting on top, the other one struck back. But probably most impressive here for me is how Parramatta have turned around in, in two weeks so quickly. And people are saying, is this just Gutherson coming back and bringing all this energy? Like, I don't know if one player, especially a fullback, and the way he's can turn that all around one way. I think everyone's just addressed their attitude and their intent. And in particular, the changes in the forward pack, Terrapo, Matungi, ones that needed to happen, more leg speed, more drive, more impact on the game. And, just a whole realisation in the squad that what they were doing wasn't good enough. Gutherson's been great, don't get me wrong, but I think everybody's taken it up a notch. And the most impressive part of this game for me is the Tigers pride themselves or have done a real good job early in the season of being very good in yardage and getting offloads and creating second efforts and quick play the balls to shift early. And I thought Parramatta did a really, really good job getting on them early in yardage, stopping those shifts, getting quickly up on the edges and trying to narrow the field for the Tigers and make them play through the middle. And then they got really physical with them and their smaller forward pack. Mm. I, it was a strange game because I thought Parramatta, particularly first half, dominated it by far. And on the scoreboard, I think it was only a two-point difference at half time. And Yeah, they got those two late tries. Moses' good effort to offload that ball to Jennings. And uh, the other one was the Bevan French kick, which is a great try there to keep himself in touch. But Yeah, but I just felt as though they, they had the better of that half. They were more physical. They were winning the yardage battle. They they shoot themselves in the foot a lot, Parramatta, like, they gave out that really soft try. Kenny Edwards didn't address his inside shoulder. They gave away a lot of piggyback penalties to let the Tigers out. That was probably, I think, the Tigers' worst performance of the year. But the good thing for them is they still only got beat by two. So they're competing, the Tigers. But this is what we spoke about at the start of the year, that you know you can produce this sort of footy for so long and then teams are going to catch up. So yeah. they're... Ivan Cleary is getting... All the water out of that sponge. Oh, 100%. Put it that way. So, and Parramatta, I still think they've got a ways to go, but the good thing for them is they've won. They've won two in a row now. They've got a little bit of momentum. They're playing the Sharks this week, who are very beatable, uh, and things are looking up. Can they make the finals? I'm not too sure, but, you know, they're at least heading in that upward direction. And um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I, like watching it live. Yeah. It was good really, game really of footy. I, I, you know, I didn't have a dog in the fight. It didn't worry me who won, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, the, other, the bigger thing for this out, out of me is in a month's time, we're not going to get that game because in a month's time, that, that's going to be pretty much a night game because the sun's going to go down, yep. ANZ's going to be dewy. I don't know why the NRL doesn't look at a 1 o'clock and a 3 o'clock kickoff for the Sunday game, so we've got daytime football. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't argue with you there. Yeah, I, and I think the people wouldn't mind it. It's earlier times for parents. Also to get, yeah, to get out of there. and you know I, I got in the door here at, I don't know, about 7 o'clock back in at Orchard Hills right near Penrith from ANZ. So the, the, and the road, the, getting out of there was pretty easy, but 7 o'clock on a Sunday night is fairly late, particularly if you've got young children, you've got to give them dinner and get them to bed, etc. So I think that just moving it an hour earlier would be good. Yep. Uh, well, I think for the Tigers, again, like you said, one of their worst performances, particularly in the first half, errors and discipline. They're, they're usually a lot better than that, but there were some pretty poor errors. Uh, and I think Ivan Cleary addressed that at the end of the game and the penalty count they lost, I think, like 11-5 maybe or something yeah. like that. I can't quite remember, but... Parramatta, the intent. We said it before and we said it last year. You look at it and you look at some of the names. It's not the most impressive pack, but the one thing you did know 
is they were a hard edge reflection of their coach and they're willing to push the boundaries and they're very physical. That, to me, is the main thing that wasn't there the first six weeks. That's back. And with that coming back, Moses and Norman, I think, both played well the last two weeks. have benefited from that. Um, I think Bevan French coming back in, even him like a couple of weeks ago, he had one run total in that Canberra game. Just the attitude of everybody on that field. But Matungi, Terrapo, that platform in the middle. Mena looks a lot better coming off the bench too. Mena's done a great job the last two weeks coming off the bench after those guys have laid a bit of a dent. And he can come into the game when things have slowed down a little bit. But um, Manu Ma'u in particular was exceptional on the weekend. And Kaiser Pritchard, I've said it before that I worry about his longevity because he gets knocked out so often. And I thought he copped another head knock on the weekend. But he won the spirit of Anzac medal for that game. And he was crazy. He was exceptional. Do you want to talk about sacrificing yourself and putting your body on the line? He's not the biggest bloke. And even since the under-20s days, I remember him getting injured in the New South Wales 20s game that he was captain of as a hooker. He is not afraid to sacrifice himself. He is just a human juggernaut. He will run into anyone anyway. He does need to address his technique, but my God, I can't question his toughness. No, agree. Exceptional footballer. But uh, yeah, Tigers back to the drawing board. Back five again. Masters in particular with Thompson. And Mahe Fanua with that... Awful, awful haircut, but great first game. Uh, in particular, that try he set up for Benji Marshall. and Luke Brooks, that short pass for Eisenhuth. Poor defense to let him walk through untouched, but I still think Brooks has played some pretty good football. But, um, yeah, interesting to see going forward for the Tigers, going over to New Zealand this week to play the Warriors. They've kept all their games close. And for Parramatta, not really a big origin effect, if I'm being completely honest, looking at their side. I can't really think of anyone who's going to play origin, so... Compared to the Cowboys who are coming from a similar position, I think the Parramatta's got a much better chance of kicking on with nobody basically looking like they're in the origin frame. Um, Moses at the start of the season, you might have made an argument for because of Freddie Fittler coach him in Lebanon and looking at him, but given his form, uh, only just starting to pick up the last week or two, I doubt he's in the frame. So interesting times ahead. But uh, that wraps up our review of the games from the weekend. We'll now jump into some fan questions. And kicking off with some questions from Facebook, Brock, Tyne and Jones. You are running the NRL and one Sydney club needs to go in favour of a brand new expansion team. Who would it be? Manly. Oh, bang. <laughs> you just go straight after. No. Um, that's, would, a, that's, a, that's a piss take. Uh, who goes? Jeez. I, I don't think you can move any of them. No. Yeah, you can't pick up any of those clubs and move them away. I think naturally once the NRL has some... I guess sort of requirements on the clubs to be financial, etc. That'll happen naturally. I don't think they need to nah, you remove can't anyone, them. put some financial stipulations and some things in place, and that'll just happen naturally as a population moves, you know, further further outward from the the centre of the of the city and the population grows. I think you're going to see some natural changes probably in the next ten to twenty years. Yeah, well, I think. They already have done what you just kind of said with this last uh, deal. So so the grants, <laughs> club grants have gone up and all these kind of things. They've basically said there's no more loans, there's no more handouts. If you can't be uh, sustainable off what we're giving you, that's the end of you as a club. So if that did yeah. happen, then you might have one be moved. But uh, for now, I, I couldn't see one. Uh, Mike Winkley, something a little bit different. If you could pick a player currently playing union in either Australia or New Zealand, who do you think would flourish in the NRL and why? Or just someone you would think would be great for the game? Israel Folau excluded, only asking because Callum Ponga looks like an identical player <coughs> to all black Damien McKenzie. Well, to be honest, I don't watch a whole lot of rugby union, so... Uh, Michael Hooper. I've said before, probably he's one that I've brought up uh, in the past, and maybe Pocock, if you want to talk about playing like a lock or a back row role. Right, I'm the same as you. Uh, any, any of the All Blacks, I reckon, could. If, if you want to ask me in depth about if watching... If I know them in terms of names. Yeah, you know. if, you want to, if you mean watching provincial rugby and 
all the the games of the Super Rugby, I have no idea, to be honest. So yeah. I couldn't tell you about guys that are playing nine halves, fullback, etc. over there. I can name a few of the All Blacks like Brock, but as far as the Australian guys that I know, uh, it'd be a couple of those forwards that could easily play an RL Hooper. Pocock, simpler job, not a big thing. Probably just take out the ruck, but their carries seem hard. Their defence seems good. Um, there's some small differences, but I think they're two that probably stand out for mine. But uh, yeah, as far as the Kiwis, I couldn't tell you a whole lot of the plays, to be honest. Chris Cluna, is uh, there is a chance Belliot won't be coaching Melbourne next year. Do you think he may end up in a football department role? No, he'll coach. No, I think if anything, he it'll follow the, the curve of what was spoken about, that if he doesn't coach next year, it would be to see Slater and Smith hopefully retire and move on before taking Wayne Bennett's job once it uh, it expires. I don't think he'd do that job at Melbourne, um, and I think it makes sense that he might want to move back up to Brisbane, seeing his daughter and all that there. But uh, given Frank Panisi's talk the other day um, on, what was it? I think it was Triple M NRL, he's very, very confident. He's been close mates with him, obviously been at the club for so long. He's confident that he's going nowhere that they're going to re-sign him. So, yeah. see what happens, I guess. Uh, Dennis, Daniel, what do the Roosters have to do to fix their problems? Or is it just a matter of time? Why is the standard of play in the NRL still not good? This is this far into the season. Seems most teams are struggling to be consistent. Well, I don't think the standard of play has been bad. I think there's been some pretty good games. I think the attack's a lot better as well, to be honest. Um, the ball movement, the interchanges, the way teams are playing, things are starting to slowly turn the corner. I think you look at teams like the Knights who are trying to play some football, the Tigers pushing offloads, coming out of their own end, Melbourne playing some expansive football. I don't think the football is bad at all. Um, some teams struggling is what we said at the start there. We've never seen such a mass exodus, I guess, of halves and spine players moving clubs, have we, in such a long time, which definitely takes time to settle in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on the side of things as far as the Roosters, well, I think they've got to make a decision like we said before. It seems like they've told Cooper Cronk to fit in to their sort of play, which isn't working at the moment. He's a fairly heavy system player, the system he ran at Melbourne. I don't know if they're trying to implement that right here, right now. Tedesco in the same kind of boat. Better at playing on the ball, pushing through the middle, working off offloads, just kind of ad-libbing. They're trying to put him out on edge only to play outside in the 20s, and that hasn't really worked for him. So they need to sit down, have a bit of a meeting, simplify things, and tailor it around the two guys that they've paid a million dollars for. And on top of that, their middle needs to go forward. They need to stop playing in the middle of the field and being so structured. Simple. Peter Dennis, Paul Kent said yesterday that Ben Hunt was the buyer of the year and Cronk was the most disappointing. If you were to swap both players, Hunt at the Roosters and Cronk at the Dragons, how do you think those teams would be going in comparison? I.e., is it the player or the club or a bit of both? A bit of both. <clears throat> I honestly think that Hunt would be going better at the Roosters right now than Cronk simply because he can play a bit more ad-lib and a bit disagree. more off the cuff. I just but... think that it's as much to do with the club and the way they play. Yeah. The Dragons think... are certain playing a different style of attack to what... The Roosters are. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think as far as a partnership is concerned and what they're trying to work out right now, I think Hunt would fit in better with Tedesco. And we and we'd work in Melbourne. So I've got no doubt that would work. Yeah, true that. Uh, What else we got here? Wayne Stoneman, can you still be penalised for a voluntary tackle seat every week? Players going to ground without being touched. Gutherson did it on Sunday. Uh, I brought this up, I think, last week, mate, and I can't remember which player it was, but obviously not because there was somebody that literally hit the deck, crawled forward a few times and tried to find a way out. But, yeah. No penalty given. David Crowan, what is the issue at the Cowboys? Star-studded team yet failing to deliver. <sighs> Mate, your guess is as good as anybody's. The coach has just been re-signed as well, so clearly there's no mm. off-field kind of problems. I'll probably go back to what I said before. Brock, like Brock said, they are flat, but I think they've got to work out internally again, finding the balance. Last year, a couple of forwards missing. Morgan's team, dominant on the football, young, fast, powerful. Martin fitted in well with him. Granville benefit. They all kind of chipped in, played their role. Um, but set starts, yardage, I think, has been poor. Ford packed intense, not there. Well over-structured. Thurston controlling things. He's not the number one playmaker anymore. 
It's not a mock on his career or the same thing that Brandy said the other week. He's 35 years old. He's up a couple of injuries. He shouldn't be touching the ball 70, 75 times a game. The fact that Morgan's parked down that right edge and getting scraps or second fiddle and playing in a jam short side is ridiculous. He needs to be the primary board handler or they need to be handling things 50-50. Jay Smith, what do you boys think the reasons behind the rabbits being so hot and cold for so long? Oh, I don't think even that hot and cold, are they? Oh, well, the last couple of years, there's been some changes. Oh, but okay, yeah. If you, they if went stale, obviously, after winning the comp. They didn't evolve. Michael Maguire's coaching style went a bit stale, I think, as well. Well, he refused to evolve. I think Seabold's evolved and changed things a little bit, but I still think there's going to be some changes next year to the roster to get it up to scratch. I had questions on the forward pack coming to this season. The Twins have actually been quite good, to be honest. They've woken up a little bit, um, obviously. Sam could do without getting suspended all the time, but <clears throat> they're, they're going to be like I'd be shocked if they didn't make the top eight. So yeah, if that, yeah. If you I mean know, week, I think, to, I think there's teams more inconsistent than South. Yeah, and if you mean week to week being hot and cold, I think again it's just a learning period. New I think coach, hot and cold within games. That's their biggest issue. I don't think week to week there's that much difference in terms of their performance. I think their best footy is their best footy. I think they produce their best footy every week, but it's just about producing it for eighty. Like on the weekend, they they probably produce their best football for thirty minutes at most. Whereas, you know, in the weeks prior to that, like the game against the Dragons, they they were very very unlucky not to win that game. The Rabbitohs, they were very very unlucky not to beat Penrith. Um, they ran into a red hot Warriors side. So I look at their losses, and I'm more impressed by <laughs> who they've lost to, if that makes sense. So and, and look, I think they've competed in every game, probably apart from that round one game. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, Andrew Wales and Jordan Palmer both basically asking, uh, is that the end of the season for the Cowboys? Well, well it's close enough to. Like, they've won, what, two games out yeah, of eight? two games out of eight. And again, I've said it before, Morgan will be picked. And you're going to need at least 12. And I think Hess will be picked. So there's at least going to be there's two gone there. I need to go. I think Cooper, given their back row situation at the moment, is probably in you know reckoning or look for the origin kind of setup as well. So there's going to be a handful gone and they're already not playing well. So... It's going to be a big ask on the Cowboys. So in the next in the next two blocks of eight games, I need to go five and three. It's well, possible. Well, let's put it this way. If they get to week 12 or week 13 when the first Origins are on and they've only got three from 12, I, that's going to be game over. If they can't win a couple of games in the next few weeks, if they only grab one or two, if they get their four from 12 and four and eight, I still think it's a big ask. Yeah. I, I think if you've only won a third of your games to start, you need to at least be 50-50, I reckon. And it's going to be a big come home period for them. And guys coming out of origin are always fatigued or a bit flatter as well. I know that the period's set up a bit different this year, but it's a huge ask. I, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. They're on life support and the adrenaline needle, the heart paddles, it's all happening right now. It's George Clooney, ER shit, they're in big trouble. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Russell Hartup says, what's your opinion on the best playing surface in the NRL? Does Brookvale need to be bulldozed and start it over? Well, it's a counselling ground, isn't it, Brookvale? Yeah, it is. And yeah. <clears throat> they're not going to pay for any upgrades. We've basically heard the plan. They want to have ANZ, Allianz, Para, more central stadiums like that. Suburban grounds aren't going to get any money. Doubt anything it's going to change there anytime soon. Best playing surface? Uh, I think some of those smaller grounds or those newer grounds, like the Melbourne Amy Park one's good. I think Suncorp's good. I think Canberra's underrated too. I haven't played there a couple of times. I think Canberra's an underrated field, but uh, I enjoyed Amy Park. You got any ones that you reckon? Best playing surface? I think Penrith is a pretty good playing surface. Oh, again, playing junior grand finals there. It is a pretty nice Sydney field. football stadium, I love. Yep. Uh, Daniel Bennett, I hate the referees putting somebody on report for an incident that subsequently sees that player suspended for another week, but they let the player stay on the field and play at the remainder of the game. Do you think if the act is bad enough to be suspended for, surely it's bad enough to be sent off for? If it's not bad enough to be sent off for, they shouldn't be suspended? Question mark. 
Oh, well, I guess in game there's been talk of obviously if you hit somebody high and they go off and they're injured for the rest of the game and get suspended. Uh, and then that player obviously gets to play the rest of the game. That's a different story. But if you got something like tripping that they get suspended for, I don't know if you could send them off right there and then or bits and pieces like that. I think it's a, a bit of a, a come and go. But if you take a player out of the game, I'd probably agree with it. Mm. We've said that before. CSL on Slater last year. So the other week when Sam Burgess hit Caesar, if that knocked him out and took him out of the game, you'd think it'd only be fair that you go off the field, etc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know about in all cases. Uh, Sean McCorn, he says, have you heard anything on West potentially signing Oliver Clark from Penrith? What can you tell us about him? Who signed him? West, he reckons. I heard different on the weekend from another source, actually, that uh, Newtown and the Sharks kind of set up were looking at Oliver Clark. Obviously, at Penrith there, Jack Hetherington, Moses Lyota, a couple of those younger guys. Kate Ellis have got a run before him. 21, 22 years old, I think he's turning this year. I think he's a steady forward, but after watching him in Cup, I've got to say, I don't think he's got enough, say, probably leg speed and impact to play as a middle. I think he'll be a steady kind of cut player. And if he was at the right squad that didn't have enough depth, he might get a couple of games. But compared to some of those guys, I don't think he's got the, the leg speed or the bump to kind of play grade. Big motor, though, for a middle. He's one of the hardest trainers I ever came across in my time at Penrith. Yeah. Great kid. Um, It'd be disappointing to see him not stay at Penrith from my perspective. I think he's... You look at that, those forwards, yeah, though, and get again... Salary cap and squeeze and making decisions. Hetherington's yeah. already played ahead of him. Ellis has played ahead of him. Laota, et cetera. Like, there's a lot of guys there. They can't keep everybody, obviously. But I think the one difference between all of them, he's probably got a big motor and he works hard, but natural leg speed, bump, et cetera. I think that's one thing that probably goes against him a little bit. He doesn't have the best leg speed or you know bump getting into the line, yeah. which is one thing you obviously want out of your middles uh, to dominate, play the balls, bend the line back, et cetera. Michael Cooper, how can the Cowboys go from almost being an unstoppable force uh, from the back end of last season to a team that was missing two of their strike weapons and playing with a few blokes who were carrying injuries, etc. to now having the full strength side and full off-season to come back and not have it together? Well, they didn't have a full off-season. A lot of guys went to the World Cup. McLean was a new player, injured early on. Scott, even though he had a lot of time off the injury, is older. Thurston, same deal. Major surgery, coming back in, trying to gel. Morgan taking that key role. Um, before that, it was kind of Thurston playing with Lachlan Coote is the main link man there. They're kind of a, a bit of a pairing that worked together, and Morgan was a compliment to that. Hasn't been the same since. He worked in well with Martin playing second fiddle, Granville benefited. There's a lot of key changes, I think, that a lot of people don't probably see or understand, to be honest, in yeah, that sense fair. of things. But the balance isn't there right now, and I think it's as simple as going back to what I said. Who's going to be taking this thing forward? Michael Morgan. Who's the man you just gave a million dollars million dollars to? Michael Morgan, he was the best player at the back end of last season. He needs the keys to the car. This is his team right now. No disrespect to Jonathan Thurston again, but Michael Morgan needs to be running this side. Yep. And the forward pack needs to do a better job, plain and simple. Regardless of who's on the field, intent, aggression, those bits and pieces should come naturally in the NRL, um, regardless of who's on the field. And they did that last year without Scott and without McLean not being there. They made the grand final. So I agree. Um, attitude's got to change, and I think Morgan needs the keys to the car. Mitchell Madley, does Dean Pay have any idea at all? His game plans and coaching decisions have me scratching my head weekly. Worst game management in the comp from the halves, and he must be wanting to uppercut Des for the Woods contract. Well, Absolutely. Well, said it before, pal, uh, I think attitude and the morale and all that in the place has been boosted up, but I also think at the same time, assistance and who he's got around him. Uh, one thing that people probably figure out pretty quickly is you can't do everything yourself. In Canberra, from some of the blokes I spoke to, he was a defensive person, not an attack person. I know for a fact he's doing the attack this year which is probably something that, you know, if you're a former back row forward from, say, the 80s or whatever, and that's not really a strong point. You should probably get someone in to do that, like a Wayne Bennett does with a, a Demetrio up there or like other coaches have done in the past. So I think he'll figure that out. As far as the salary cap and the squad he's been left with, well, that's just something he's going to have to deal with because, yeah, it has been laid with some time bombs and some back-ended deals, and 
the club hired him. I'm sure they're going to be patient with him because they understand the situation, but he hasn't been exactly given the best situation, that's for sure. No. So he's going to get some time. Yeah. Uh, Zach Maitland says, have been missing the Laurie Daly impersonating. Can you give us an origin prediction by Loz? Have you got any others? Would like to hear you have a go at Sammy Burgess or James Graham. Well, we, were, we were just watching Controversy Corner with Buzz Rothfield well, and saw... Sam, Sam Burgess was on there and he said that he didn't like Bill Harrigan as he started and shaked and sweated everywhere all over the set. Talking about working with people that you don't want to. And he looked at Graham Hughes and then he turned his head at Bill and said, Wait, but we work together. And Graham Hughes was very angry when he said that. But uh, Laurie Daly giving a prediction for the series, given that Queensland are in shambles and that some of these players have retired, like your Thurstons, your Cronks, etc. Morgan in poor form, the Napa. Uh, and a couple of fellas injured like Gillette and Maguire. If New South Wales cannot win this series, I should be put straight back in as the coach in 2019 of the Blues. Team, team. Team, player, team, team. Uh, the fat sportsman, Danny Bedeiros, came out Triple M and said we want a bigger body at six for New South Wales this series. Thoughts on Wade Graham there? No, to throw back to no, no. No. He doesn't play... Six uh, at club. Obviously, he came through as a junior six. He's played a long time now in the NRL, out on that edge. He does kind of play that role sometimes with the tip on and the kick, but full-time in origin when you don't do it at club and with the form he's displayed this year, not happening. Um, and a bigger body well, at if six. Danny, if Danny Badiris is going to say that, he should come out with some suggestions. Well, I'm already I'm already going to throw up that Andrew Johns tried to give it away the Jack other way like when he said that no he played way. Jack Bird. No so way. We talk about form. Again, That's it's poor. It's very poor if that's what, the way we're going to go with things, but... Um, a big-bodied six for New South Wales. I don't really see how that would work if, say, a Cleary got healthy and Maloney's basically sure, and there's no yeah, big bodies well, there either. On, so Cleary's not a big body. Green's not a big body. Like, who is our big-bodied six if we're going to go for one? I don't need a big-bodied six at all. Nah. <clears throat> Omar Haydar says, Zero Tackle posts an article that Dylan Walker is seeking release for June 30 to re-sign with South. Can you shed any light on this? No, i got no idea. There's been a heap of talk about it, but honestly, in a salary cap situation, to pick up a contract like that for Dylan Walker to... How the hell are Manly going to be able to release him? They can't even field 21. Yeah, exactly. But on the flip side of that, how are South going to be happy to take back in somebody or do you think Manly are going to be willing to pay part of a back-end deal that's worth, say, six, seven 700000 Who would want Dylan Walker? Why would South want Dylan Walker? Well, they've just paid 700000 for Gagai. You've still got GI. You've got Johnston locked back up and they've got a couple of bargain buy wingers in Hunt and Canard that are doing a pretty good job for him, plus Campbell Graham, the rookie. So No, uh, I wouldn't want Dylan Walker back. Good on top things. of that, they've got a gun Kiwi kid who's been there for a couple of years, Marwin Hiroti, who's only like 19, who plays fullback center wing. So... If Dylan Walker's come back to South or wants to go back to South right now, let me tell you, the ball's in South's court. It wouldn't happen to me until next year, and he'd be, his pay packet would be getting cut in half because he ain't getting six, 700 at South he like he did be. before. Anthony Seabold wouldn't want him there. No, but again, if you brought him back and GI and uh, Gagai are there, you can't play him on the wing, or I don't think you'd want to play him on the wing, and you're not going to push one of those guys onto the wing for him. And no. again, the back end of deal at Manly is reportedly worth six fifty seven hundred thousand. dollars They're on. not paying that. So. Come on, guys. Uh, if I'm a South fan, I don't want Dylan Walker back. He, not at the moment. Uh, on his day, he's a good footballer. Still struggles a bit defensively. He's off a major ankle surgery. Talks and he a lot of shit too. Left in poor terms in the first place, and they're trying to change the culture. Things are pretty sound yeah. at South at the moment, so I don't know if Seabold would want to bring him back in. But a, he's not in good form. Well, he's and fresh off a bad injury, yeah, so we'll give him that. B, but he left. Yeah. Well, the talk so, yeah. was that was more to the coaching, but the reasons behind actions oh. before he left, him and Gray obviously got in trouble, so... Um, I don't know if Seabob would want him back in, but nope. I'm not reading much in order. If I see it, I'll be very surprised. Duncan Bridgeford, what position do you guys see Latrell Mitchell playing long-term? 
The bloke is a weapon, but with the way the center position has evolved, I really think he's underutilized there. In their setup, I think he's underutilized. Um, if you look at teams like Seattle at the moment that are spreading the football and creating opportunities for their outside backs in Gagai and Inglis and getting it there early, they're kind of going a throwback to the way you wanted your centers to play, getting good football. I think Melbourne last week showed you what happens if you give Will Chambers and Curtis Scott, who gave Galling a bath early, good football. If you get generate, uh, can you generate ruck speed in the middle early on? So, I think right now that's his best position still at center. I don't think he's got. The fitness uh, to go 80 and focus and organise the defence and ball play from fullback, but long term, uh, I'd, I'd probably like to think that some of his better years are going to be at fullback. I don't know about you, Boxhead. Yeah, fullback. Well, we saw him come through the He's still only 20 years old. I think people are freaking out again when they sign Tedesco going, what's this man for Luttrell? He's 20. Yeah. Tedesco's had a couple of big injuries. He's still young himself, but in a couple of years, when at the back end of his deal, or if he slows down, it wouldn't surprise me if he found his way back there. And I think he only just re-signed for two years. So if he's not happy in two years' time, he might go somewhere else. Yeah. But even if not, he's a Rolls-Royce centre. you just got to get him more football. Uh, what else have we got here? Michael Barry, what do you put down to the recent successes of the Eels? I realise it's only two wins, but they're looking like a different team. Could it be all down to the return of Clint Gutherson? He's so fired up, and he's raised the energy of the whole team. Oh, he's definitely added an element of leadership, stability... So, yeah, he's had an impact, but he's only one man. Yeah, one man. It does make a positive vibe, but the big difference is the forward pack going forward. He's doing a great job at the back, brings energy, helps the halves, pushes around the football, but the pack's what's turned it around. If you don't lay a platform, if you don't defend hard, if you don't lead the line speed, if you don't win the middle, you can't do anything else. And I think the last few weeks, uh, they've obviously been a lot better in that area. Uh, Lawrence Kelson says, can we take much out of the Raiders' defensive effort against the Cowboys, seeing they were so poor against the Bunnies? Well, I must say, I didn't think the Cowboys threw a whole lot. I don't it was pretty clunky, but you still have to pay them their dues. They defended against a side with plenty of weapons who had almost 60% of the football, about 57%, and they turned them away. They found a couple of tries, and they showed a lot more resilience than what we're used to for the Raiders, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. So we'll pay them that. They've also had some struggles of their own. So you want to talk about having a rough start to the season. Three close losses while leading. Lost Williams, dropped Austin, dropped Papali, got some guys off contract. Paulo's leaving, etc. Josh Hodge not being there. They've got their own adversities they're facing up against, but they've still got the right attitude, it seems, compared to a Cowboys at this point. Yeah, correct. So, uh, Joel Braddocker, Nathan Ross at centre. Uh, was Moke injury a blessing in disguise? How good has he been playing in the centre? And with Jesse Ramey coming to the Knights next year, would Ross Dog still be a centre? Not with Ramey in there, he wouldn't be. Um, he's been good getting some football, but I still look at the situation with Moga. Um, early on, you say that Moga... A blessing in disguise, he got injured. Go back and watch that Dragons games. Stock standard, three opportunities to put Ross away. He wasn't there. And I think I said this to you the other week. He blew up at him in that game when we watched it. Um, it's no offense to Ross Dog. He's a great player, plenty of energy, does his good yardage work. Obviously, it's easier at center because he gets first handled the football. But when he was on the wing there, he stuffed some things up as far as positional play. That wasn't Moga's fault. And Moga's a very, very good footballer on his day, big body. So um, full credit to him, doing a great job the last few weeks. But uh, I, I I wouldn't put that down to Moga, some of those mistakes earlier on. And Ramian is a weapon, and he's a lot younger, and he's coming on a decent pay packet. He, he'll be playing centre, and if you've been watching the Sharks play some football, he's a very good centre. He's gone, yeah, gone really, really well this year. Uh, yeah, Ross does a great job in the wing, good in yardage, but yeah, I think long-term with those guys there, <clears throat> he's definitely not going to be playing centre. Ian Stanmore, is it just me of the rest backed off with penalising the incorrect play balls last couple of weeks, starting to see the tunnel ball back? They've missed a few. I think the Rucks also gone back to being a bit slower, to be mm. honest. Uh, it seems that they've backed off full stop. Justin Bryan, who do you guys think has been the signing of the year so far? Ben Hunt. Yeah, I They're was on top say, of the table. Him and Ponga 
you can make an argument both ways, I think. But oh, Callum Pong has been a yeah. If you want to talk James about James Maloney, would have to be in there as if well. If you want to talk about the value for money, he's on the smallest deal of all of them. He's the youngest, and he's got the most potential. So if you want to put it down, how to much all, is Pong on? Seven hundred, they reckon. Seven fifty. And Maloney's on more than that. Eight fifty. Really? You got a mass upgrade, and Ben Hunt obviously went for about one point one, one point two. So if you want to go value for money, age, longevity. Potential, I'd say right now, Ponga. When they're playing like that and you're in the eight and you're winning games, you don't give a shit what you're paying. And I've still said it again, and it's scary for everyone out there. He's not going to finish growing for another couple of years. He's 19. That's what I'm saying. So he's going to get faster, bigger, stronger still. Yeah. Um, He's goal kicking. He's got to work on a little bit, but he's got a lot of strings to his bow and he's only going to get better. But Ben Hunt, probably the pick of the lot. And yeah, those other guys mentions as well. Uh, Ibs Malas, has the NRL gotten control of the schedule yet? If so, they're doing a horrible job. Why on earth is there a 6 p.m. Friday game on in Manly? When there is only one game on a Sunday, the NRL should look at uh, a very successful sport in the EPL and the NFL where most of the games during the day, especially in the colder months. The Thursday game is on way too late. People get up early Friday, uh, have to go to bed. And then the Friday 6 p.m. game should be moved to Sunday day. The NRL wonders why Craig figures are so low. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some well, simple they're, changes. They're, it's for TV at the moment, mate. Yeah. Well, they pay so, the dollars. Most of the dollars come through TV ratings. So, again, I've I, said I it brought it up earlier. I went to the game yesterday and it was great, but... The last twenty minutes of that game was played in the in the dark. Yeah. So for me, I'd love to see that game kick off at three. I'd love to see the first game on a Sunday kick off at one, uh, and I'd like to see more daytime footy. I love the Saturday three o'clock spot. I think that's the best well, thing the NRL's done. But... Saturday, I'd like to be two o'clock and kick it off a bit early, but there's still junior sport. A lot of people yeah, don't get home work o'clock, Saturday. Three so. o'clock's the earliest you can kick off on a Saturday for TV and for junior sport reasons. That is the earliest they and kick most off. Most of the time, that is the lowest rating game. Too. Most of the time, I yeah, I won't watch that game live. I will record it and watch yeah. it once the sun goes down. But I I like watching it in the daylight. It just makes yeah. for a better game. It's better. Uh, Scott Lockyer, thoughts on the NRL shutting down fan-made montage videos, e.g. AP7 montages. They are not videos that NRL produce themselves. Oh. Yeah, but it's got their content in it. So I, I think... Everything now, kind of, I guess, when... I don't know. We don't we do not do any of that stuff. I guess, I guess people could say that we're a podcast and we use NRL content, but I don't think we're using their images or their... No, we're, their we're just talking about it. I, I don't yeah, have a problem with people making those montages. But I guess they're taking ownership of their content, just like the NFL and all those things do with streaming rights and all those bits and pieces, and you can get in trouble for a court. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know the whole thing, but technically it's their it intellectual property. Petty, it is a bit petty. Yeah. but um, yeah. Particularly if they're not trying to sell it or make profit out of it. If they're just trying to well, produce I'll, things that make people watch the game, someone might come across it on YouTube. And There is some cracker highlight reels, I must yeah. admit, and I have been a bit of a footy fanboy. Sometimes you do look through some things at the end of the year, hits of the year, or plays of the year, or when a player hits a milestone or retires. So, player, player. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit petty, but again, I don't understand intellectual property or law or how those things work, and also I don't understand YouTube because I'm pretty sure if you get a certain amount of views, you can make money from an account. So maybe oh, okay. from that point of view, the NRL might look and say, well, if someone, if they're getting... I don't know. God knows how many looks and there's ads. I don't understand YouTube enough and the financial side of it. So I don't know, mate, but um, yeah, maybe a little bit petty. Robbie Ryan, how much pressure is Paul Green under? Well, can't be a lot because he just signed a massive deal close to $950,000 for the next three seasons. So clearly the Cowboys are happy with him um, and the situation regardless. And he says, what is the problem at the Cowboys? We've talked about that a million times, but... I wouldn't say he's under pressure, otherwise they wouldn't have given him that three-year deal. They Paul Green is under zero pressure. They think he's the man for the job, otherwise they don't do that deal. Uh, Jack Package says, chances on the Broncos keeping Lodge. Well, I'd say massive. Yeah. They gave him the way back in. Um, he, Unless the NRL sort of put a gun to their head and say, uh, to his head and say, you have to pay this by a certain amount of time, and then he's just going to have to go to the highest bidder. 
Well, I think they're willing to pay him a substantial amount of money. I don't think that's the issue. Okay. Um, but yeah. regardless of where he goes, he's going to be paying that money back. They're trying to put a plan in now because there's oh, but that's also their fault for letting him back in the first place and all these other arguments people make and they're not putting that responsibility on him. The only time he's ever going to pay it off is now while he's playing the NRL. So they should simply say, you can register the next deal, whatever it's worth, but yay percentage or however this is going to work out, he might get a living wage, you say, if he gets half a million dollars next up of $100,000 for the year uh, for rent, food, money, whatever he does, like almost a normal wage, and the rest of it is going. Um, I don't know that gets taxed or whatever, but yeah, I don't, know. Yeah, I, I don't think he leaves Brisbane, to be honest, given what they've done for him. Uh, B.E. Ashford says, have the West Tigers hit the wall? No. I just think no. three losses by two points. They've been in every single game. Um, there's a couple of injuries, not massive injuries, and their depth has been a little bit tested. Have they been a little uncharacteristic as far as a few errors and penalties the last few weeks? Yes, but three close losses by two, and they've been found at their right edge. I think they can address that. That's the main thing right now because that's where the points have been leaked. Before that, they had the best defensive record in the competition. I think their attacks got better. Yeah. So I don't think the, the bubble's burst by no means. Uh, JDHD says the Roosters didn't fire a shot at the Dragons. Maybe their game against the Dogs wasn't a defensive masterclass. Maybe both the Dogs and Roosters had a shit at attack. Well, can't really argue that at the moment. But both have a common theme. They're not getting quick play the balls. They're not winning in the middle of the field. They don't produce offloads. Um, the Dogs basically run through forward and by on that right edge. That's about it. Or when he runs to the left side and plays through Fitala Mariner. The Roosters, it's just well overstructured. Gavin says, Ernie Oz, coaching question. If you're trying to find your front in tackles to get a quick play the ball, do you also get low numbers of offloads? Yes, definitely. Well, it depends on how you're trying to carry the ball. When you carry the ball and you're in good ball, you're probably more looking to offload the footy, whereas if you're coming out of yardage, it's just protect the footy, get down and play it as fast as you can. So it's the intent to which you carry the ball and then you know what your goal is, isn't it? You know, you obviously got different goals at different parts of the field. Yeah, well, I put it this way, basically. Uh, if you're looking at it the way of oh, trying to get down and play the quick play of the ball, are you already leaning? Are you already willing to collapse? You run the same way every single time with a lean, with good intent, and your aim is to break through the line. As soon as you feel that you've got blokes in or you're going to lose position, then you find the front. But the offload is something that you can't premeditate as far as I'm concerned. You run hard enough to hit the line, try and break through it, and when the arm frees, it comes naturally. So... I don't know if it necessarily means you get a lower number of offloads. I just think what Brock said, you run with the same intent every single time. That comes naturally if you break tackles, but say coming out of yardage like he's talking about, or naturally you're not going to be looking to offload. You're generally just trying to find your front and get a quick play the ball. So maybe in that sense, yes. Uh, Fox Box Ox says Sharks to make the eight. I had them in. Yeah, I, think I haven't changed my opinion. Same. Reasons why. Um, I think... Lots of changes in the spine, a couple of injuries in the forwards. They've still managed to get a 4-4 four and four record, and they can win ugly. I still think they've got plenty of room to improve. Any argument with that? No. Uh, Dan from the Sportress says, Can you explain why the Cowboys use Morgan mostly as a second receiver and only on the right so much? To me, it seems JT handling everything before Morgan reduces space and options available. Well, We've said it. Basically said that before. It. Yeah, so absolutely I think agree you've with nailed that. it, mate. Uh, Bryce Cartwright, Monday morning review. Do you encourage, discourage, or send a reserve grade? I spray him. Absolutely spray him. The, the flick pass? Spray him. Costs the game. But he put him at six, so he's enabled it. So I don't think he no, will. No, he hasn't. I don't as, think he's as a coach, not you've, passing you've put him winner. there. You've put him there. Yeah, but I, I don't care what people people say. But yet he's shut There's down LG. There's a perception up there, and I know this because I've got a few people who I'm close with at the club. There's a perception at the moment that... Bryce Cartwright is getting favouritism and he's getting 
away with things that other players are not yeah. because he is Garth Brennan's mate. Yeah. And that's a very, very dangerous situation to get yourself in as a coach, particularly when that player is not playing well. Um, he's got to make an example of him. He, he needs to make him accountable for that play. For the two plays. Firstly, not hitting the winger. Secondly, throwing the flick, flick pass on play one. Just inexcusable. Inexcusable. Fair enough. Uh, Simon Fraser, how are the Cowboys say toilet? Well, we've talked about that plenty. There's no doubt about that. NRL profit, should the dog sign Robson to play seven and shift four and Robson's been retired for two years. Uh, but he played cup. I think it's a piss take. They're, they're taking the piss and they could do worse. Yeah. James, uh, Jason Derham, does it shit you as much as me that Fox NRL's game clock counts down to zero? After a few drinks, it's almost impossible to work out what uh, F a minute of the game it is. At least general line clock counts up to the 80 minute, but unfortunately... Well, the NFL counts down. I can't stand their coverage. Doesn't it? The NFL counts down, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but quarters, I, I think... I'm, I, I'm a little I, bit... I like it counting down. No. I, I, I was a little confused the first few weeks, but yeah, I, I can see it's got a few people. They always seem to change something every year, but it's no biggie to me. Uh, Calvin Hewitt, do you think the Rabbits making the eight rests on the ability for Sam Burgess to stay no, on the field? No, they've won games without him. Yeah, that's true. And he's also saying here is Isam Masters, a New South Welshman, and could you see him playing State of Origin? He's big, strong, some speed and kicks for goal, or is it too soon? Well, he's too not soon. a New South Welshman. He's a Kiwi. Too soon. He's a Kiwi. Yeah, he's not ours anyway. Yeah, but I wouldn't pick him for Origin, <laughs> no. Uh, and Jason Deerham again says, we average around one golden point every 26 game. How's this for a betting strategy using the same game multi? Put $5 on will there be extra time team to win by one to five? Pays anywhere between $70 to $110. Do this for both teams every game and by a law of averages, you should always be ahead. That's bold. That's a, yeah. And that's very complicated, but I love it. How about you do it, Jason? Honestly, do it and let us know how you go. For Document it. Document it, let us know. You've got a theory like I had a couple of years check ago. Check in, check in. I don't know, once every four or five rounds, send us an inbox on the Facebook page. We'll be happy to update everyone on how you're going, man. You know what he's on to here, and I did this a couple of years ago. I used to put $5 first try score on every left winger from both teams about five years ago when the block shape was all the rage. And obviously everyone's favourite attacking side of the field was obviously right to left. Uh, most weeks, it honestly happened in about more than half the games. About eight of the first try scorers would be a winger. And you don't need a massive investment, but you'd basically collect every week. Yeah, you don't. I gave up on it because it just became very monotonous sitting there betting, finding the wingers. But, um, yeah. Wingers? Bit of a trend. But there you go. There's all your fan questions answered. Much appreciated uh, for all those. And now we'll do Mr. Gossip's Gossip before we jump in and do our tips and betting segment. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate and the... In the bag this week for Mr. Gossett. He's talking about Walker. Dylan Walker, that is, as everyone brought up earlier on. Apparently, he wants back in at Redfern. However, the move will be more than likely at the start of next season if it is to happen. Again, I, I stick with what I said before. If it does happen, uh, massive culture change. You'd have to have matured. Seabold would want to have to bring him back in. And the pay packet's not going to be 700, 600,000 like it is right now. That's for sure. Yeah. So, big change there. Uh, despite... Rumours that Cameron Smith will retire. He will go around again in 2019, according to Mr. Gossip. And why wouldn't he? He's playing great football. He still has never been hurt. Touch wood. Uh, Aiden Tolman, Brock, one for you. He's on the Titans' wish list for, oh. this, for this season. Oh. oh, no. Wallace, James, no. Arrow, Proctor. No. 
Why do you need him? No. And you've already got young blokes you like can't get King. Can't get him out of the dogs. Yeah, but you've got young blokes, King, Arrow, Boyle. No, Why the hell do you no, want Aiden Tolman no, in a dead contract? No, 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 no. But what about this one? Tyron Roberts apparently is hating England, and he's keen to get back on the coast. Would you rather him back in the halves with Ash Taylor? No, I like LG. As but compared, I, I'd happily take Roberts back. Well, over Cartwright. Definitely. If he's not going to play LG and Definitely. get rid of LG. There you go. And that's all he's got this week in the bag, and hopefully we'll be able to get him on soon, the big man. Oh, I can't believe that. Hayden Tolman, Jesus Christ. Well, we heard it earlier in the year. It's a dead contract that Dean Pay wants to get rid of, and if Brennan's silly enough to pick that up. How does that... Well, yeah, come on. Mm. Oh, dear. Highly concerned. Why am I just... I just get tortured every season. (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, tips and betting brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. If you want to join, jump on board. Half price for our listeners. The link goes up on the page every single week. 99 for the first month. If you don't turn over a profit from the tips they give you or a profit percentage, you get the next month for free. Cancel any time after that. No lock-in contracts. They obviously take care of our charity account. A big thanks to Matt Will and all the boys there with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, the Lions, Brock, you went through earlier this week, just a couple, but every week you'll get about 15 selections. The main ones that you, you get know, three or four a day. Your punters will stick with are obviously the line betting. Line betting is generally the best one, but they give you player props, meters, try scorers, overs, unders. They go with all sorts of bits and pieces, yeah, but great. they're full time. It's great. Gambling. Love it. Analysts. All right. Because I am a tragic on the punt. You are. All right. And tips last week. We both got four. Gossip got five. Uh, so I'm on 37. You're back on my tail with 36. And Gossip's creeping back in on 32. The first game of this round is the Brisbane Broncos versus the Dogs. Obviously, it's Monday. So we have no lineups. But Brisbane, we know that Josh Maguire is going to be out. So Jesus. Uh, massive one for there. McCulloch, though, a story today. Apparently, he might be back already, which surprises me. McCulloch, yeah, really? After, you know, four to six weeks, and apparently he's in line to come back this week. But regardless of that, I'm going to be sticking with Brisbane because it's at home. Where's it at? Yeah, Suncourt. You've got Milford, Bird, I think, Sua, Pungai, Haas, all these guys did a pretty good job last week. The Dogs are desperate for a win, but going up there, I think their confidence will be pretty shattered. They fell behind again, but at the same time, every time I thought they were going to fall over, they still turn up and have a red-hot crack. So, hard call. Maguire 8 is a big loss, but I am going to stick with Brisbane. I'm going to go the Dogs. All right. Good against Penrith last week. Well, Mr. Gossett. And I'm saying Brisbane's fake form. Fake form. Fake. They're fake news like fake Donald news. Trump. I Brock likes to think that the Bulldogs mm. are fake news. No, Broncos. Not oh, the Broncos. Whatever. Don't cut me off. I'm doing the Donald Trump, okay? Going to build a big wall. Uh, so you're all on the doggies. Mr. Gossip, he is also on the Broncos. And for the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Broncos, $1.50. dollar fifty, two sixty for the Dogs, minus six. Is the line one to twelve Brisbane three dollars three seventy five for the dogs thirteen plus two eighty Broncos seven dollars for the dogs the second game Newcastle versus South Sydney Souths uh, obviously a rough week last week without Sam Burgess and obviously having that mental lapse Richie Kenner as far as I know is going to be out long term has a bad ankle injury there so you'd assume Hyamal Hunt uh, or Campbell Graham who's been playing pretty well in Cup from all reports will be back into that side no other changes would be expected but again it's Monday so I'm not sure. South, I don't remember anything uh, as far as injury-wise from last week. So I'm pretty sure they're going to be coming into this one uh, pretty much. Oh, sorry, Newcastle, sorry. Newcastle should be all good. Besides Jamie Bury, who almost had his eye torn at his face by Cherry Evans. Mm. I'm sure he'll be all right and how he wasn't sighted. I'll never know how. Ridiculous. Uh, I'll be tipping South to bounce back here. Super impressed by what Newcastle did. Uh, again, it says that they're the first team on this one, so I'm assuming it's at Newcastle, but... Uh, I'll have yeah, to take South. Uh, McDonald Jones. Oh. South. 
Mr. Gossip is with us. But I'll tell you what, Newcastle gave a good account of themselves. Hopefully they will again at home in front of their fans. South's all round for us and for the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.60 favourites they are. $2.35 uh, for the Knights, the Outsiders. Minus four the line. One to twelve South three dollars three fifty from the Knights thirteen plus for South three twenty six dollars for the Knights Panthers versus the Cowboys very hard game and very interesting the Cowboys have been absolutely disgraceful but lifeline for them this weekend they are like I said absolutely on the table bleeding internally all over the joint but Penrith despite being held together by duct tape. Mm-hmm. Seem to keep plugging away. But another loss with Dylan Edwards. We don't know if it's going to be four to six weeks or the season. He has to see a surgeon this week. But all we do know is he's not going to be back. So, without seeing the team this week, I don't think anyone's expected back besides maybe Wallace. Whether Wallace comes in or not, I'm fine with Katoa there. But you're potentially looking at your centres uh, being Tom Eisenhuth, who was on standby last week, coming in to one of those spots. Or Harawira Nara and Yo may both have to go out and play on the edges and kick out, play one back row and Fisher-Harris or Heather and God knows who comes in. But either way, light as they are, do you think the Panthers can beat the Cowboys in Bathurst? Yes. Yep. Uh, I I base that on not a lot, just the fact that I think Penrith are going. But I'm just, I've just got to the point with the tipping and I'm just going to go with what Four. my eyes tell me. I, yeah. Penrith are a better side. I'm waiting for teams at the moment to turn it around and... I just I can't wait anymore. I'm just going to tip what I see, who I think is a better side, and what I've what I've seen so far this year. Well, even with the injuries, they've still been winning. They keep flying away. Maloney's controlled things fantastically. And the number one thing for me, and I always say, and I may be forward bias, it all starts with your forward pack. Yeah. And their forward pack has been twenty times better than the Cowboys. Yeah. So, I think uh, if the Cowboys, yeah, it'll, it'll be close. I think if they turn up as flat and soft as they were last week, Bartel Malala, they're going to get bashed by your Layotas, your Fisher Harris's, these kind of blokes because they've been dishing it out. So. Uh, hopefully a good game for the fans out there in Bathurst and hopefully the fans in Bathurst Country Rugby League good players Mm. good teams I reckon this will be the biggest crowd they've got I'm pretty sure they've sold it out or been close to every time but taking the Raiders compared to taking the Cowboys regardless of their form there'll be a lot of people I'm pretty sure that are keen to get out and see Morgan and Thurston that's for sure and Tamalola but I'm going to go the Panthers as well Gossip going against his own team he's gone the Cowboys he's an idiot there you go. Um, with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Penner for $1.81. Uh, the Cowboys, $2. Minus 1.5 is a line. 1 to 12 Panthers is $3. $3.20 for the Cowboys. 13 plus Panthers, $4. $5 for the Cowboys. Raiders, Titans. In Raiders, Raiders will win by Canberra. Plenty. Bounce back after blowing an 18 nil lead round one. For some reason, they've got a bit of a hoodoo. Even yeah, the other fine. year when I was down there, Matt Orford got signed and they blew that game and they keyed his car at the... The tradies got afterwards because they lost. They started the season four and zero after making the semis the year before. Um, I'm with you though. I'll be going the Raiders at home to keep the roll on after what I've seen, but nothing would surprise me because for some reason when the Titans roll into town, I, I'd like to know the record, but I think they've got a good record against Canberra. Mm. You're going to go the Raiders, mate. Raiders. Gossip is also going the Raiders. Plus, what price are they? Clean sweet. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Raiders are a dollar forty-eight favorite. Two sixty-five for the Titans. Minus six and a half is a line. One to twelve Raiders. Three ten. Three seventy-five the Titans. Thirteen plus Raiders is two seventy-five. Take that to the bank. Seven dollars for the Titans. Uh, this next game, none have been easy this year, but this one is very interesting. Warriors versus the Tigers. No lineups, so obviously hard to tell right now, but. Apparently, Tohar should be clear from his concussion. Johnson will be good to go, and Carter will be back. But Warriors. Tavunga's playing nine. Luke's out for a month. Pulu's still missing. Uh, you know, Garve, he may still be missing as well. 
But for the Tigers, travelling over there, a couple of close losses in a row. Uh, hard game last week, disappointing result. Elijah Taylor likely to be back from his concussion, but as far as Packer is concerned, still missing uh, for a few more weeks. And Josh Reynolds still missing as well. So mm. Warriors at home, you keen on that? Warriors. Yeah, I think that's the big factor, isn't it? Going back there, Johnson and Harris, if they're likely to be back in, and again, we're taking a stab in the dark, that's enough for me to go to the Warriors. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees on that. So clean sweep for us here, and they're $1.60 favorite with the Pro Sports Syndicate. 235 for the Tigers, minus four the line. One to 12 Warriors, $3, 350 Tigers, 13 plus Warriors, 320, $6 Tigers. Sharks para. I reckon this will be an interesting game and probably an entertaining one because they both like to get physical. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dugan coming off at the end of the game. Again, uh, multiple injuries this year. Don't know if he's going to be cleared. Wade Graham apparently was just a precaution last week, so I expect him to be back. Lewis Gallon still missing for a couple more weeks. So uh, looking at that side of things, on the flip side of that, it's in Cronulla, and that's a hard place to go play football. Parramatta, uh, T-Rex, he's out. He's uh, busted his ACL. Not sure about Nathan Brown or if anyone else is expected back, but... They've been a lot tougher and physical the last two weeks, so I really expect a prison game here at the prison. But who would you be backing given those circumstances? Cronulla. You're going to go the Sharks at yeah. home? I just think they're tougher than Parramatta. I, I don't know. Look, if this was at uh, ANZ, I'd probably tip Parramatta. But at the prison, as we all know, it's a, it's a Bermuda Triangle. I'll go with Cronulla. But I wouldn't Parramatta are playing some good footy. I, we'll I'm, see. I agonise over this, but again, after being there finally, after not never having been there, and I hadn't got to play there regardless of injuries or any schoolboy stuff, it's a weird place to go. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't overly impressed last week, and if Dugan out, that does hurt. But um, just because Zach Cronulla, I'm going to go the Sharks, and if the Eels can win this one, they've probably proved a point to me, to be honest, yep. if they can get up for it. I'll even, believe if they win this. That's be three in a row at a tough ground to go to, even if Gallon, Louie, and a couple of those guys are missing. So, uh, Mr. Gossip, he's on the Eels, as he has everywhere. I think he's tipped them every single week. Yeah. He's just rode the lightning. What's and they're the outsiders with the Pro Sports Syndicate, two twenty five, a dollar sixty five for the Sharks, minus three and a half. Is a line, one to twelve sharks, three dollars, three forty the Eels, three fifty, thirteen plus for the Sharks, five fifty for the Eels. And they've got the dogs a week after the Eels, so they're could, running into yeah, a few. Could get know, a real run on here. Yeah. And then the Warriors, I think, the week after that. So and they're both at home. There you go. Possibly the best game of the round, and hopefully it will be. Dragons Storm. We're going. At Colgrave, 2 good, p.m. Man. Sunny Sunday Daylight afternoon. footy, top of the table. I don't, want to put, I don't want to put a bit of a, a dampener on it, but Curtis Scott out, Glasby out, pretty disappointed. Bromwich obviously missing. Um, so they're three key losses. Vunavalu may be back this week, as Fanukin may be back this week. They'd both be very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I guess that Tonamapaya will play centre if Vunavalu is back. And Scott is out. And as far as the Ford pack is concerned, hopefully if Nukin is there, he might end up playing lock. Welch front row, starting with Nelson and Cassiano, Kenny, etc., coming off the bench, Stimson. So. Yeah, and you're going to tip the Dragons as a reverse jinx. Yes, and I am. you're going to tip Melbourne because they will win. And I do that reverse jinx very successfully and very, very often. Uh, Mystic- they've, they've looked a much better side with Riley Jacks in. Um. Look, those losses, and uh, I think the Dragons are going to have a tremendous home field advantage. I'll just go with Melbourne because I think they're tried and tested in these big games. I think they'll be right up for it. But uh, I think the Dragons deserve to be favourites, definitely. Well, again, Mr. Gossip, I think he's been drinking again because two weeks in a row he sent seven tips, not eight. So he, he hasn't sent a tip for the Dragons and the Storm. Always give him the home team. He gets Dragons. So he can have the Dragons as well. 
Uh, but yeah, you got me to a two. Reverse jinx. It's all happening. Yeah. Uh, those couple of players out. Dragons full strength from the Pro Sports Syndicate. They're the favourites. A dollar eighty-one. The Dragons two dollars with the Storm. Minus one and a half is a line. One to twelve Dragons three dollars. Three twenty the Storm. Thirteen plus Dragons four dollars. Five dollars for the Storm. And the last game of the round, the Roosters versus Manly. What a couple of years ago was the grand final and a constantly stinker. a classic game. May seem like a stinker with. Manly in shambles on and off the field and potentially having to bring back Jackson Hastings. We won't know until the lineups come in tomorrow. How's that week going to go at the club there? And the Roosters, everyone's on deck. They're just playing shit football, plain and simple. So uh, I'm going to go the Roosters because I think it's a lot easier situation to turn around with some changes and yeah, um, some talk between the team. But Manly, Roosters. that's an absolute shitstorm at the moment. Yeah, so. I think we've, we've said too much about this game. Roosters. Roosters. And you're just going to keep nine and a half, but that's, that's a big line. Dollar thirty four. That's way too short. So well, there you go. The, go pro, the yeah. pro Sports Syndicate for the Roosters is a dollar thirty four, three thirty for Manly minus nine and a half is a line. One to twelve Roosters, three ten, four fifty for Manly, thirteen plus for the Roosters, two twenty five nine dollars for Manly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, another interesting round. A couple of games there in particular. I think Dragons Melbourne, uh, Cronulla Sharks, Warriors. Oh, sorry, Cronulla Eels. Um, the Warriors-Tigers game, I think those three in particular, plus the the Broncos and the Dogs game, there's about four there, and the Penrith and Cowboys, considering they're on life support, and you just keep looking at those players. There's about five games there that are really hard to get on, mm. I reckon. Really, really hard to get on. Uh, charity bet, we'll wait until we see some lineups. We will. So a bit hard to pick now. Uh, a big thank you to everyone for tuning in, uh, as always, and before we go. Uh, and obviously, just, yeah, thanks for all your questions. Thanks for... Uh, Supporting the show as always. Hope everyone had a fantastic week last week and enjoyed and got out there and celebrated with the Anzacs and thanked uh, the men and women that served our country and let us continue to live the lives we do and the freedom that we had. And uh, that weekend in general, Brock, and that round of football was absolutely outstanding. Hopefully that standard continues. I'm sad it's over. School holidays are over. Back to reality for me. There you go, mate. No idea. Back to the real world. But for everybody out there, a uh, big thank you to all the sponsors as well. Uh, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au Remember if you're a football club out there or looking for a fundraiser or a bucks party or a corporate event, all these things, Poker Deluxe, Paul and Adam the boys there, they do a fantastic job. Get on that website, Solar, look no further than the Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the boys will sort you out. And Warren, the PM Bolt Master for all trades, more than nuts and bolts. And the Pro Sports Syndicate, supporting our charity account. Professional punters for a full-time living. All their packages made a profit, including their most recent, the NFL 27.5% profit for the year. NRL, they're running at a little bit of a loss at the moment, but God, who isn't? The tipping's been near impossible, and no doubt if you stick with it by the end of the year, you'll be back on top. There you go. Now all that's left for you to do is to enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.